Hello and welcome to episode 321 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, and this is our twice-yearly deadline day special. For complete transparency, we're dealing with a few divas, and so a couple of the guests on this episode were spoken to on Monday, but we'll make that clear in the episode description, and I'm sure it'll become clear while you're listening. The last time we did one of these, Alex was particularly smug about the signing of Richarlison. He actually called it great value for money. Cam was firing off hot takes like fireworks. Blackton brought half of his train carriage onto the show with him. United fans were questioning the decision to bring in a 30-year-old Casemiro. And I was crying over Edu's failure to sign Douglas Luiz, while TK said he felt like something special was brewing at Arsenal. We'll see what today brings us, but first of all, how are we doing, TK? Excellent, yeah. Um, obviously, this pod being out has also meant you've put a tweet out where I'm uh, taking the form of Natalie Sawyer, which is psychologically very confusing for me. Well, yeah, I mean, it could say it's a compliment in some senses, I guess. I've never looked so good, or yeah, we'll say. Um, obviously, we're going to have multiple people over the course of this. Already had some people drop out, so <laughs> there will be plenty of clubs represented. That's what I can confirm. First up, we do have Connor, so uh, we'll head straight to him. Connor, you didn't join us last deadline day, but we spoke with several United fans who weren't quite sure how to feel following a 240 million summer spending spree. Since losing your opening two fixtures, Ten Hag has wrapped up 39 points in the league and sits in fourth place, three points above fifth with a game in hand. Well, first of all, probably get the formalities out of the way. How are you doing today? I'm all good. How about yourself? Has been a long time, hasn't it? It has been. Um, you don't usually come on after a loss, so that has precluded uh... you from uh, <laughs> joining for quite some time. And then I've also been trying not to jinx it by coming on because I know you're praying for the downfall. So Look, it's a tricky one. Where they once said that elephants don't beef with ants. <laughs> I thought that might be coming. <laughs> And uh, fortunately, um, you're the answer on this occasion. No, the question I was going to ask you to kick things off, has the season gone better or worse than you expected thus far? A lot better, I think. I think I was kind of predicting probably a top four battle um, and we'd probably be maybe a little, not lucky, but we'd do very well to to scrape in. Um, I think obviously now we've got a nice little cushion. 10-point lead, well, obviously, apart from Spurs, but the main rivals for me are always Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, I think Spurs, they could well come back. You know, they're picking up a little bit of form now, um, but I'm I'm feeling pretty confident in terms of us getting top four. So it's, it's going well, I think. All right. Um, I will say you're going to think I'm uh, back in the room with you now. Just have to make sure you're not rustling too much. I'm getting a little bit, uh, I don't know if you're getting agitated. And if you're getting a bit worked up, getting some rustling coming from you. But yeah, as you say, I think you've done better than I expected you would do. Certainly after the first two games, maybe didn't enjoy them as much as I should have at the time, uh, especially that Brentford game, which hopefully we see that Premier League Classics uh, a few years down the line. Before we get to your marquee January signing, I wanted to go back to some of the summer signings. Let's start with the 100 million man. Anthony is public enemy number one in the press at the moment. Um, 
it's impressive he lasted this long, to be honest, with that price tag. But now that you're in a safe space, there's no one else listening. No one's going to judge you here. What do you make of that deal? I think everyone knew it was it was overpaying. I, I don't I don't think that we're, anyone will will disagree with that. But I think he's still young, twenty two. He's, he's he's scored a few. <laughs> <laughs> he's working his way in the league. Let's remember Luke with Pepe, right? This was exactly the same. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the comp you want, mate. I'll be honest. It's not. It's not the. <laughs> it's not. But I think everyone knows he needs to when he gets the ball, he needs to attack more at the fullback. But I think there are signs. He gives us a lot of balance, um, something which we probably have been missing on that right-hand side for the past few years. Um, I see bits where I think I like what he's doing. He doesn't try and force things a lot of the time. I know he, sometimes he does slow things down because he will always try and come in on his left foot. Um, but there's definitely signs which he, that he's going to be a good signing. I just think we, he needs to give him a bit of time He's pretty much playing every single game at the moment just because we have no one else that can play out there. Um, so it's not like he can be bedded in, especially because of the price tag. It was kind of forced that he, he has to start um, and obviously been a bit unlucky with, with the Sancho situation. So I think in an ideal world, he would have been bedded in maybe a little bit slower and he probably wouldn't have that much pressure on him. But it's kind of gone the opposite way where he's been chucked in at the deep end and is, is now kind of single swim a little bit until the summer. Pepe got about 16 goals and assists in his first season, by the way. Um, so if that's flopping, Anthony might have a bit of a way to go. One of the interesting things with Anthony, because I don't think many of us knew much about him outside of YouTube compilations before he joined, other than that he'd worked with Ten Hag previously, is he actually any better than Sancho, who's also a kind of technical wide man, doesn't have a huge burst of pace, prefers mm. to play the ball rather than drive into open areas of the pitch. Surely, if you weren't happy with Sancho, then the idea would have been you get like a touchline winger in and that's the guy that you go and get. You get something completely different because he clearly wasn't happy enough with Sancho that he had to go and buy someone else. I don't know if it was a case where he wasn't happy with Sancho. I think that it was maybe more a case of adding a bit more depth, especially somebody on that right-hand side because we've we've struggled for a fair few years now to to lay someone down in that position effectively. Um, he's obviously known how he wants to play the, the style of play and I think it, it will come with him it's just a case of of give, as I said giving him a bit of time um, you'll probably see once we get a few more players in in terms of how he wants to develop the team you'll then see the best of him but um, he's definitely a, a, a good option to have I think it, as I said it, it just will be a little bit more time we, we were speaking about Mudrick, though, the other week, and we were saying to Jack, look, when you pay this amount of money, you don't get the benefit of being bedded in. You have to be making an impact now. And yeah. So why is Anthony getting those privileges? Because this United team is better than this Chelsea team. He, well, he's not getting the privileges because he's being slated by everyone. But it's taken a fair while. I mean, it was like it, a it collective well. awakening, yeah. wasn't it? It was like, oh, hang yeah. on, this guy cost a lot of money. Actually, it wasn't just Darwin well, like, who looks a bit mad. Well, he got yeah. dogged for the spin in the Europa League, didn't he? I think that was the start of it, wasn't it? And then it, I, he kind of got laid off. He kind of went under the radar a little bit because of the Darwin situation. And I think and the only, goal against Arsenal. Yeah, and he, he scored. I think it was three in his first six. Um, 
in the Premier League. So it was kind of like well, he scored three in his first three, and then it was you could get away with it for a few more games, and then it finally has come to to roost as such, where he's now getting a bit more than probably he should should get. Because he obviously can strike a ball. The issue is, and it's so un-Brazilian in that <laughs> even when even when I'm watching United, I see against us included, there's these big pockets of space in front of him. And I said to you countless times about if he's going to play against Inchenko, there's going to be so much room over there. Mm. And he has the grass and he just chooses not to run into it. I know he likes that ball where he checks in on his left and he kind of curls it to the back post. Yeah. I think Neville... a bit of variety, haven't you? Yeah. But he knows think... he doesn't have the pace, doesn't he? Like the amount of times United had a counter-attack on against Arsenal, but he was never going to be that guy. He's not like Rashford or whatever. I don't know if he has that I think he does have pace. I just don't know if it's that. No, it's, it is like Sancho. That is the comp where it's, it's not yeah, like he's it's, slow, but he's just not lightning. He's somewhere it's, it's between. A, it's a sh- probably yeah, Gakpo is probably the same with us. Yeah, it's like a short-term acceleration rather than a long sprint where he's he's quick over a long, long, you know, long distance. Um, I, yeah, I, I realised the tide had turned when he got the nutmeg against Arsenal. And just nobody cared. Like, <laughs> not, not even commentary. Bothered, oh. <laughs> it was just like, oh, yes. Yeah, mm. I think what you were saying before as well, I think Neville picked up on it and it, where he kept, he said it a few times that she said he, he needs to learn from Mares in that Mares was similar, but then he has learned to go either way. He can go on the right and can, can cut in and it gives you a bit more variety. Well, because Saka ultimately, every defender knows that he wants to cut in on his left. But yeah, he has adapted his game where if you force him wide, then he's going to try and cut inside. He's going to beat you on either foot. And it's for a hundred million man, that's going to follow him around. Mm. And what you then do is when, when it does come off, like it has been for Saka, defenders will get more scared as soon as you get the ball and will ultimately back off, back off, back off. Yeah. Which is what we're seeing with Saka now is that defenders aren't really engaging with him because they're so worried about him going past them. And leaving the, a lot of space in behind, that Luke Shaw was was a prime example. <laughs> he was just backing off, backing off, and he needed to do the opposite. He needed to get out to him quickly and, and close the space down. Well, should we be questioning Ten Hag? You sent a tweet to me the other day. I don't know what you thought I was questioning. Why you thought I was liking a tweet, maybe <laughs> praising Ten Hag's talent ID? But some of these signings, the Anthony one, that's going to be a judgment against Ten Hag as much as it is against Anthony. I agree, but I think, as I said, that one because of his age, I think there's a bit more time to to judge on that one. The others, I don't, I don't know. You were being your usual bitter self, um, <laughs> and I don't know what you were you were meaning with the other ones. To be honest, um, Malassia, I've seen him get the uh, Hannibal treatment where he's kicked a few people, and so we're supposed to praise him <laughs> for that. I mean, Liverpool are in this stage of, of how things are going badly at the moment where you stop worrying about what they're actually doing with the ball and you just point it, that one cares, that one cares, and you do it that way. <laughs> well, last year is in that field. Uh, and, I mean, we're going to speak about Christian Eriksen in a minute because ooh, that one, those wages is looking spooky. But Wout Weghorst has been your only significant addition so far this window. Um, I'm not sure we're going to count Jack Butland uh, as part of that. You were far more keen on this signing than most United fans. Now, me and TK have been privy to, much like myself, you can get yourself excited for a transfer. You can get yourself worked up. I mean, you were getting worked up for Memphis Depay. 
you were getting what up this i'm sure there's some really egregious ones that have escaped my memory that we convincing yourself of before <laughs> luke i'll be honest we could sign alfie may and i would make a, a case for it well you've I, done that for for weggy as you like to call him um how do you feel about this one now that you've seen him leading the line for you? Because much like in a fight, if you see the person's heart getting praised, it's usually not going well. Mm. Defensive pressures is probably not the first stat you want associated with your name as a striker. Yeah. I think he's done well. I think he has done well. I think it's a nice option to have. I think it was something that we definitely were missing. Um, especially with Marshall, his injury record this season has just been horrific. Um, My God. And, you just saw that coming. Uh, no, have you just seen that Fabrizio update? Yeah, you're after Jorginho. Wow, that's a shock, isn't it? It's not because we've done it before, but <laughs> that that wasn't where I thought things were going. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, uh, I'm quite glad I'm I'm hearing this reaction. <laughs> this is phenomenal. This, I did not expect this at all. This was worth it just for this. I mean, we're gonna test the we're gonna test the theory as to how worked <laughs> up I can get about someone, but I mean, I've been looking down the list of uh, people that can come in and replace Party if he's out with an injury. Yeah, wouldn't have been on my list, Jorginho, but. <laughs> we're about to fight maybe we're just trying to scare Brighton that maybe the money is going to go elsewhere sorry back to back to Weghorst um, how impressed are you I have been I think the first game he, he looked a bit off the pace um, but then since then he's he's brought something which we, as I said we've probably been missing a little bit and especially with the height um, he gives you that focal point which at, at times we're going to need I think when Marshall is back he, he will be second second choice Um I think Ten Hag has probably made that clear in a few of the press conferences where he's mentioned about Martial, but we definitely need numbers up there because we've ended up playing Rashford there at times, and you then lose his best, his best uh, attributes from from playing him up there. Really, one thing I have seen United fans criticise Ten Hag for is a lack of rotation. Um, Rashford, some of the clips I've seen, have you seen that one with the pork being dangled and all the meat coming off the bone? No. Well, I've seen this used as an analogy for Rashford. If uh, if Ten Hag keeps picking him every single game, <laughs> we pointed out during the Arsenal United game, and don't mean to keep bringing that up, um, but we kind of locked at Rashford in the second half, and it was like, right, who else is going to score? Mm-hmm. It is was that a... a worry for you that you could do that to Rashford because of, obviously he's had injury issues before? Yeah, it was the same with um, the Palace game actually. It was a the he looked off it, um, but yeah, I think um, it's something which is worrying, especially if he has had those injuries in the past. Touch wood that it doesn't happen again. Um, you then do start to worry a little bit of where the goals are going to come from. I'd say you never like to wish wish an injury on someone, but I've actually seen your messages concerning some of our players. So, uh, oh boy, I don't think that's I don't think that would ever be the case. Okay. Um, well, we're, we're led to believe that a striker is going to be the main point of interest for United in the summer. We've seen Kane and Osimhen linked in the last few weeks. With that in mind, are you okay with United not doing further business in this window? Like, I know Arsenal, the lack of a striker last January meant that we missed out on top four, but mm. waiting meant that we got Gabriel Jesus through the door because that was who he wanted. 
after Eddie couldn't get uh, Vlahovic. Yeah. Is that how it feels for you? Can you maybe the the place you are in the table means that you don't feel as desperate and obviously you can't get this confirmation, but if whoever is in charge of transfers at United at the moment could say, look, we can't get someone now because we want to be in the conversation for those two. Is that something that you can get on board with? I think probably where it's been playing so well, you can kind of brush over it a little bit, but um, no, of course, ideally you'd want someone in. Um, but realistically, everyone knows the situation at the moment, especially with the the club being sold and that. So I, I was, I think it was made clear early in the window that no one was going to be brought in for, especially for a big fee. Um, so yeah, it's just a case of waiting, waiting on this one. And as you said, it's kind of hoping that you're taking two steps back. Uh, sorry, one step back to take two steps forward. Yeah. I mean, if imagine you're, you're still United on, would look at Liverpool and Chelsea and Spurs and think, well, I think we'll get top four anyway. I don't think the need is urgent. And then you can get the big player in the summer. I mean, Common just mm. described Spurs as in a bit of form. They've just basically just beat Fulham 1-0. <laughs> and that's kind yeah. of considered turning the corner for us at this point for Spurs. Well, I think, I think you can see they, they've obviously got players coming back, got Dan Juma in. Um, so uh, they're one of those teams, that, like you said, they everyone thinks they've been bad the whole season, but they're still there. So they will pick up results along the way. And that is the worrying yeah, thing. I did look at the table earlier and thought, I can't believe Spurs are there. That is... Like, <laughs> This is how I felt the entirety of last season. <laughs> we we go on a run, and I would hear that we're so many games unbeaten. I'd go, they're how close behind? <laughs> I mean, I was having it up, and I was having it even up to Christmas this year. I was still looking at them, going, "You should be a bit further back." I don't know how they do it. It's like they lose every week, but they're still there. I know, I know. Um, we're going to speak with Sean uh, straight after you, actually. Um, you have expressed concern to me about the lack of midfield recruitment in the last few days. Mm. Ericsson's on crutches, has looked every bit of his age recently. I know you may uh, disagree with that. <laughs> Casemiro missing any games means McSauce comes straight in. Is this the Glazers' fault? Is it a lack of options? Is it that Ten Hag feels he doesn't need anyone? I think, well, I think he's made pretty clear that he wants somebody in from, from the sounds of it from the press conferences in that he said, if we find somebody that we can get, we want to go get them. But yeah, I think... I, Ornstein and all the all the big journalists have all said that no money's going to be spent. So you're looking at a loan option, aren't you? And unfortunately, I don't think many clubs are going to deal with United on a loan situation because of how they've dealt with things previously in the overspending and they know they can get a lot of money for these players. It's a similar conversation to, I imagine, that I'll have with Sean, I imagine I'll have with countless others um, just over the space of this episode. When you look at the fees that are being spoken around for um, Caicedo, Mm. Uh, Enzo and all of these I mean, the fact that Arsenal's back up to Caicedo seems to be Jorginho it does show you the lack of options out there and maybe that is that if someone is going to want a midfielder they're going to go out and pay for them like Fulham yeah. are going to pay 25 million for Sander Birch mm. and they're beating Liverpool and Newcastle to the transfer because they're just willing to put some money up yeah the market's gone gone crazy and I think the obvious one is and would fit a similar role as to what probably Ericsson is doing is probably Tielemans. With him being six months on, left on his contract, you would like to think that that's one you probably could go and get in terms of like a similar profile. But So I've read a lot on that one, as you can imagine. Um, yeah. They say Leicester kind of had in their mind at the start of the season that 
look, we'll get to January and we'll be able to lower what we're after and we'll, we'll use this opportunity to get some cash. Mm. The fact that they're in the position they're in, they're asking for upwards of 30 million just to get him in January, six months yeah. before his contract expires. So I spoke to you on Saturday, TK, and you were like, "Is it? do you not have an option or something? And this is why like, the deal still hasn't happened. It's, no, no, he's literally a, a free man come June. But it is, it is for 30 this window. And if he's sort of the guy that we kind of fought, certainly fought to Lindemans was, then a club would probably go, well, what's 30 million really in the grand scheme of things? It's a, it's a really odd situation. You feel like whoever picks him up will get a player, but there's something mm. just so off about the whole the whole situation with that. I do also, Cos just said the, the market's gone mad after we've been discussing Anthony costs 100 million pounds. <laughs> I can't think what causes the markets to go mad. Chelsea, of course, it's going mad. They've, yeah, they've sent it to overdrive. I saw someone say, if we can just save the money that we were going to spend on Caicedo, pick up Tielemans cheap, and we just need to get him like some robotic legs or something because <laughs> never has more damage been done than a clip of someone failing to jog back against Spurs. Because it's like, there are people who've been arrested for heinous crimes who've come out and they've been able to kind of recreate their life and get them going again. <laughs> that is following Tielemans around till the day that he retires. And it was a horrible look. Look, maybe there's a bit more to him. Um, just not my favourite Belgian in the league anymore. Damn shame for him. <laughs> Lastly then, Connor. Do United make top four this season? Are you prepared to go out on a limb and say that? And we're not on camera. Are you wearing a green and gold scarf? What about this conversation? <laughs> there's no green and gold scarf. Um, but all the all the um, reports are saying that things should be done in terms of the sale pretty soon, which is, is only going to be good news. Hopefully it works similar in terms of how um, the Chelsea buyout with, with no debt, that would be, I think the biggest thing which somebody could do. You have um, been calling the Blazers terrorists for years. Well, I have, yeah. If you um, extenuating circumstances with the Chelsea sale. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't it's know if you call it. It's a horrible thing for both of you because I know both your teams are for sale right now. If Roman isn't caught doing what he's doing, Todd probably buys one of your clubs. Yeah, <laughs> he probably does. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think when that goes through, that's that's going to be a, make a big difference. Um, definitely in terms of the spending, not the, so much the spending power because it's always kind of been there, but definitely in terms of what we can do and kind of moving forward from that kind of phase of the uh, of the history of it. Do you do you un- understand? in a way, because plenty of United fans don't seem to clock this, that the reason you aren't spending so much in January is because of the amount you spent in the summer. Like There are so many United fans that don't seem to correlate these two. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Effectively, you were spending next year, part of next year's budget already. But well, we had it at the time, didn't yeah. we? All the reports were like, look, United have got $150 million to spend. Yeah. And then... You could have got Anthony, what, like four months prior? And then Tenag is like, no, no, this is really the guy I want. Yeah. And I say, well, we want 100 mil then. Which is, well, I, th- I think you're technically a- doing the, he's not for sale. And then yeah. United said, oh, okay then. <laughs> we'll test that. But no, I, th- I think obviously the, the Casemiro one as well was after the defeat, wasn't it, to, to Brentford. Um, so again, that one was one which probably 
wasn't originally planned and then yeah. they saw how bad things were and it was like shit we, we actually <laughs> need to spend spend this money whether it, whether it eats into next year's budget or not we're, we're at a point where that needs to be spent that tweet saying uh, Casemiro's never look happier <laughs> they're right they're right man <laughs> well Connor, I think that does us for today. We've got the pleasure of speaking to Sean next, so we will bid you farewell and uh, we'll move on to Sean. Good to speak to you both. We are now joined by Sean Shoot to talk all things Tottenham. Sean, Spurs sit fifth in the table currently, three points behind Manchester United with an extra game played. On a scale of TK to me, TK being one, me being ten, you're not sure where I'm going here. When it comes to transfer window involvement, I would say from my conversations with you, I'd say you're around a four. How have you found this window so far? It's been a livelier January than we're used to. Yeah, I was actually you're actually spot on. I was just thinking four then before before you were you're about to say. So it's a good good level. Um, yeah, um, well, as a four would be, I've kind of dipped my toe in every now and then. Um, I I went off Twitter for a bit after the, after the uh, City game, the North London derby. So I missed a lot of the start of it. Um, but yeah, and then, and then and then came back and then came back in, thinking it'd be exciting. And and obviously now it's it's going down a familiar route. So yeah, I'm kind of I was kind of enjoying it more when I was kind of hearing it from the odd the odd person who'd share a message in the group rather than actively looking for the news. He didn't even listen to that North London Derby pod, TK. I didn't listen to it, no. He still hasn't read my uh, Mourinho article about sheer fear of the end of the Mourinho's time at Spurs. (laughs) Sean, um, if we talk first about the deal that has happened, um, before we get into the deal that hasn't, obviously, you pinched Dan Juma from as far under the noses of Everton as is physically possible. And I wondered how you feel about that one. We know he and his agent flew into London to essentially set up base and discuss a loan deal with as many clubs as possible. Fabrizio reported that he was looking at options in England, Italy and France, but only Everton had really bitten. Ultimately, you grab him. Are you curious as to why nobody else moved for him sooner or is that something that just doesn't concern you in the slightest? No, that that element doesn't really concern me. Um, it more concerns me like if it ends up being the only transfer we make is is a backup squad player. I mean, well, we definitely need it because obviously Sun's form's dropped off a cliff. Richarlison's been injured a lot. Hill barely gets a chance when he plays, and the attacking options are pretty limited. So it's a, it's exciting that we needed, and obviously scored on his debut against against Preston, but. Yeah, the element that someone didn't move sooner doesn't really uh, affect me. I think it's more, it's just a panic. An agent's obviously said he's available. It's a panic. Oh, this is easy. Well, just get him in. Like we tried to do with Trossard, obviously, bidding like 12 million, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, Brian Gill is on his way to Seville. A nice little rhyme. Is this just replacing a body with a body or is this about putting pressure on Sun, do you think? I think it's just a body on a body. Because Richarlison should be the one that really should be putting pressure on, on Sun. But at the start of the season, which you, maybe you can kind of understand, because obviously he'd won the Golden Boot. But Richarlison was 
Kudasevsky was getting benched for Richarlison instead of Son, and yeah. Son kept playing, which should have been the other way around. And hopefully when Richarlison's fit, that'll happen. But but no, I think it's more just it's replacing a body for a body rather than as you're actually putting any pressure on Son. Because Conte's... A Bergwijn replacement. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's more of the same. It's pretty much the same. I think Bergwijn gets in the Dutch team ahead of um, Dan Yuma anyway. So yeah. it's pretty much the same thing. So... Uh, Conte's shown that it seems like he's always going to play Sun. The fact that Sun scored goals against Championship Preston now probably means again he's going to play for the next six games. And Leicester. And Leicester, yeah. Because there is a buy option included in this deal. Um, is he maybe being touted as the guy to replace Kulishevsky when he joins Arsenal in the summer? He's not. That isn't happening. It's all. <laughs> it's like Arsenal fans think something's going to happen. It's all done. It's not all yes, done. Yes, it is. The options there, it's not, he's our player. That he sounds like a worry bad to me. That sounds like a concern. Gets, I'm not I'm not worried at all about him. He gets Arsenal. triggered if you make the Champions League or he plays, was it 50% of games maybe, right. and the Champions League? We've made... Something like that. No, it's, it's all sorted. No, because the option does mean that he has to agree to it. From what I've seen, it's not. From the inside um, sources I've seen, contracts already signed and everything's done. We just I'm going by Fabrizio, but side. even Spurs have managed to tiptoe around and mess up a here we go. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, Pedro Porro has been the saga of the window for Spurs. Sporting were pretty straightforward from January 1st and said it's relief clause or nothing, while Spurs continued to tiptoe around it and keep bartering. It's... Now, one day removed, the deal still hasn't been done. How much has this one drained you? Um, as I said, it got a Fabrizio, here we go, last night. And then this morning, Ornstein's saying the deal's off. <laughs> oh, a lot. It's been a rough, rough 24 hours. Um, but like, it's nothing new. Uh, like, I was listening to a Spur- the, uh, the Athletic Spurs podcast earlier. And like this has happened so many times. You've got like Mutinio, who is meant to be at the Spurs Lodge, um, Leandro Damiao, Grealish, uh, Leandro like Damiao, <laughs> Bruno, Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, uh, him with in your team would have been <laughs> the most vile thing in football. <laughs> so, yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing new. Like I don't know. Have you seen the rumor as to what the stumbling block is? No, I've not. And I'm saying this with like. It is very much a rumour. So the rumour is that Levy was going back and forth as to who was going to pay the administration charge, which is around £2.6 And after going back and forth, Sporting basically just said, pay the release clause then. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Why why don't you just pay the release clause? I just, I just pay it. Well, we know why. It's because of financial fair play, because you can't spread it the same way, but... Yeah, but it's just, it's just because we did this. We did this with Thomas Party, where all summer we said to Atletico, "We'll give you fifty million, but we'll spread it. We'll give you fifty million, spread it." And they said, "Well, no, there's a release clause there. It's well within your means. Pay the release clause." And then they were pissed off when on deadline day Arsenal triggered the release clause. In Spain, they do give you then essentially an extra week, I think, to spend that money. But I don't think uh, Sporting would get that. It's like. Well, I, go, I suppose that's what obviously the rumours with Chelsea at the moment are doing with Enzo Fernandez aren't they? And they're trying to 
maybe the midway point is they're paying a bit extra, but to spread it out. And their bit extra is they're still paying 120 million. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just nothing. It's nothing new. Obviously, I mean, again, it feels like Poro is a different levels above Traore, but it's the same thing happened with Traore in January where yeah. we just wouldn't actually trigger it and, and buy it. So that one was weird because then he went to Barcelona and they didn't pay; they just paid his wages. And so yeah. it was like, what? What was the hold up here in England? Yeah. If, Bars have a talent for that, don't they? Yeah. If uh, Levy had seen your recent success on Football Manager, he's brought you into his office and he said, look, I'm taking January off. The stress is too much. I can't deal with this anymore. He's left you a 45 million budget and said, spend it how you want. Would a right wing back have been the area you'd have addressed? <sighs> um, I mean, it'd be up there because, again, this is another thing. We've had... Well, Conte's been the manager now for, I guess, a couple of years, maybe a couple of years or a year and a half or so. Um, but even if you go pre-Conte, we haven't replaced like the right back, right wing back, whatever you want to say. Since since Kyle Walker left, really, we had Trippier, obviously, but Trippier. What about Walker Peters. Oh yeah, well, I was I was a Walker Peters stan. I said he was the best Kyle Walker at the club, but he gave us the Sky Sports <laughs> presenter Kyle Walker. But um, for fuck's sake. <laughs> he went. He left. I was a Carl Norton man. Thank you. Trippier was a good backup option. Like actually at Spurs, obviously doing Newcastle now. Yeah, it wanted him gone, and obviously now, now he. Yeah, for what you wish for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up with Oreo for ages, and now Royale and and Doherty. Like we should have, we should have um, prioritised that area ages ago, and and especially with Conte, his wing backs are so crucial. He's not. We've got Ses- Perisic has actually done all right, but clearly he's a he's a stopgap because he's thirty three or whatever. And then we've got Darcy and Royale. Royale, I think, would actually be quite a good defensive right back, but we play a wing back attacking system, so we don't need it. So you I, I, said this. I listened back to uh, the last deadline day pod. Um, the most egregious thing said in the Spurs segment was Alex saying that. It was fantastic value for money for Richarlison, which we've overlooked. So you, you said on there, I think Royale is actually all right defensively. I've not heard any other Spurs fans say that. So the fact you've doubled up, doubled down. I think on he, it. he, I think he would actually be quite a good right back. He's shown in certain games um, that he can be a good right back. Played quite well against Fulham when we won, obviously one nil. Um, but. Clearly, he doesn't look good when your system is built around your wing backs attacking, and he, he can't cross or create so um so that that's the issue but i think the other it well actually i'll, I'll wait till some of your questions but yeah anytime Sci- I see scientists Hindu- call that the uh arawamba saka effect by the way where you're so bad on the <laughs> ball and going forward that everyone just assumes you must be good defensively because what else are you if you can't do that <laughs> yeah well that was why you got rid of uh Ragion, wasn't it because sesanyon was a better wing back supposedly oh yeah yeah that was a stock that plummeted quick, wasn't it, Reggie? God, Jamie Redknapp went out to bat for him, and then that was that was a very back in his face. That was very strange because I thought Reggie on was all right, but the, yeah, Redknapp went out and said he, he was a revelation. <laughs> what potentially got was when he had his bird with him when he signed for uh, Atleti, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. incredible! Then, That's oh, unbelievable! Have you seen his bird? <laughs> We'd have all gone um, out to bat for him like Red Nuff if we'd seen that. <laughs> um, having spent 160 million in the summer, and I won't stop repeating that, 
is is Levy right to not give Conte any more money, having seen the impact of the cash that he's had? Well, the team's probably somewhere in the middle. Obviously, you have this contract thing. Like, I, I do free get it. Jed Spence. If uh, oh yeah, free Jed Spence. That's not why is he, why he's not been allowed to go on loan. Again, makes no makes no sense. Because I thought he was close to Brentford. Exactly. It seems like there's interest in, but we, but we don't want to do it for for I don't know why. Um, because obviously we seem to be happy to loan out loads of other players and not actually sell them. Um, so yeah, I get it to some extent because again, what why why are we buying players to fit a system um, if if Conte is going to leave? But then again, we we spent loads of money. Like we're we're trying to do two different things, which don't which don't work. Like we we should be back if it's our manager, then we should be backing him, especially wing backs, which is the key of his system, which obviously we haven't we haven't done. Instead, we bought players he's not going to use or young players that aren't going to fit. It. So yeah, I don't, on both sides. I've just seen Jed Spence had around eight offers, and he's chose it. He's chosen to join uh, uh, Stad Rene. What you've just seen? You've just seen that. Yep, just. All right. With, uh, so it'll be with uh, Welsh Barese there. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. I think for anyone that's not heard you say that before, they could be here till tomorrow trying to work out who you mean. <laughs> because the actual name is just so far removed. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Go on Wikipedia and look at their current squad and see that Welsh flag that comes up next to someone's name. No. I've seen Spurs fans as upset as I can remember in recent weeks and this is all following your best ever start to a Premier League season yeah it's not an original take here but how much of that do you think is to do with Arsenal being top of the league like say we were sixth do you think your fans would still be complaining uh, yeah you're you're right the, the Arsenal top of the league would, would definitely have something to do with it but other way around, I'd be the same. Just so, uh, yeah, right. yeah. But because um, yeah, obviously Neville talked about this, didn't he? And, and one thing I hate about the it's like they're, they're three points behind United, but like and they forget about the games in hand or the game in hand, and the fact that Spurs haven't beat anyone above them either. So I don't think it's like they're looking likely to finish above Newcastle or or, or United. Um, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. It's the the football. Obviously, it's been poor, especially the first half. Lost a few games in a row. Obviously, lost to Arsenal at home. So, it's not just about the position. Because if they're playing like good football um, and we're still in this position and points, then it would be different. So, yeah, I think it's a mixture of the two, like Conte's contract situation uh, as well as Arsenal being top and the poor football. Your fans are still chanting Conte's name. I know, I know. But it, it seems more evident that he, he is leaving. I think he's going back. I think he's going to go back to Italy. I imagine I'll get a job there somewhere. One of whichever one of the bigger clubs there gets a new manager. But yeah, I think it's because there's so much. There's obviously so much anti-Levy sentiment at the moment. So that you know, well, that leads us on nicely. Um, we had Connor on earlier. We checked whether he was wearing a green and gold scarf. <laughs> Can you explain for those that may be unaware what the Spurs fans' issues are with Levy and Enoch? I think the issues are, I mean, again, contrary to what you said, obviously some fans think that there's no, no in backing or investment. Obviously, historically, there was those two windows where we didn't buy anyone. But recently, in the summer, we spent quite a lot of money. Um, 
but still not not potentially buying in the right areas where we need to, not stepping up investing when we want when we need to, waiting to the last minute, um, which obviously is happening now. Um, naturally, not not winning anything. That's probably part of the reason. I think some fans just want us to be like a oil state and invest loads of money, which we're never going to do. I've, I've so I think that's that's the main reason really. It's about like profit over glory and that kind of thing. If we were to go back on here and people were to listen to your re- your reaction to those transfer windows where you didn't sign anyone, <laughs> I think they'd be very surprised. <laughs> we won the window, <laughs> didn't we? Also, and I thought about this recently, I don't know how many Spurs fans are aware of this. If Say you win a League Cup. Yeah. You're actually going to be mocked more for the way you celebrate a League Cup win than you are going to be mocked for not winning trophies. And I'm not saying that's right, but it's absolutely how it's going to go. Kane especially is going to be getting pelters be like, small times. Like, well, hang on a minute. You said he needs to win something. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right, because they're in that. They're now in that weird. Because that was in 2008, that wasn't. I don't think it was the case. But now, because they've been, you know, finished second and third, finishing fourth, being in the Champions League and stuff, then winning a League Cup. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. And the Kane thing is spot on. Like, Kane has to win. A Champions League or Premier League, realistically, because even a League Cup, especially FA Cup, whilst I think everyone on the pod respects it, there'll still be some fans there that say like it's FA Cup depends who you beat in the final. You reckon? Even <laughs> I think if you can, if you, I'm just from the way of the messages I was receiving. There's Villa and Hull ones kind of fun. The comparison to us beating the comparison to us beating Hull and Aston Villa to Chelsea and Chelsea. Yeah, is yeah. like I get you, and the whole one we kind of jeopardy of it, game, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if United are lucky because if they win this League Cup, it's gonna it's gonna say, you know, Jose spoke about this, and it's a great starting block. And Pep, this was the first trophy he won that got them on their way. Newcastle, it's gonna be, you know, it's the dawn of a new era. Spurs, initially, I think they're gonna say, look. This is what they need to do now. They've had a taste of it, and then you're just going to get killed for it. If someone is smiling a bit too much, that clip of Lucas Moura with the Audi Cup saying, "I mean, this is the first of many trophies. I'm going to win at Tottenham. I'm so happy." <laughs> I actually think they more like that because I think some, if someone have, dares cry. I think Spurs have come out like far enough the other end that I think any trophy now will do. But this. The point you guys are making is the one I was making when they gave Jose the job, where I said, well, if Jose does come in and do his thing where he wins a League Cup or an FA Cup, or whatever, they've just got to a Champions League final. So is that really like, is that better than what they're currently at? Not really, just because they happen to lose that final. That's more of an achievement than yeah. Jose coming in and nicking a League Cup. But you're probably far enough removed from that that you'll probably take what you can. Though. Last question, Sean. Do you get top four this season? Like, doesn't seem and like who's expensive, so doesn't seem likely at the moment. I think at whose expense, if you count Arsenal, Arsenal and City obviously already gone, so then you've got Newcastle United, Newcastle and United, maybe Newcastle just because I mean, obviously their defense record is amazing, but I think they've only scored one in the last five games, they're not scoring many at the moment, so maybe that. It's because they have 10 beyond the ball. Yeah, exactly. So maybe their <clears throat> defence drops off a bit. I know they've got not got European football, but 
they're the only ones I could think of. But I was going to say, because I didn't know if you could ask about it, obviously buying players an issue. The main issue is not being selling players either. That that's we're not we're unable to sell anyone. Like we haven't been able to sell in Dombele or La Celso or Region. They're all on loan. And then we didn't sell players Jesus. when we should have done like Debbie Ali, like Eric Dyer. Eric yeah. Dyer could have gone to United for like fifty million. Delhi not getting money for Delhi is inexcusable. Delhi could have gone for like eighty. I heard on the podcast earlier, apparently Pochettino wanted to get rid of him like in twenty seventeen or eighteen. Which he would have gone for like eighty to ninety million at that point. Um so the, the that's more of the issue. We're unable to sell players because in the same way like you've said with Levy arguing about administration fees, probably does the same, the exact same thing when he's like selling players and wants to eke out every single last million. Um, so if the player's not worth it then and not every player's a Modric or Bale, then most will say, Yeah, we'll look somewhere else. We'll look somewhere else, yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, so that's just but in answer to your question, no, I I don't think we get fourth. I think we'll be uh yeah, like in the fifth and sixth range. Does the does the Poro deal turn around? No. I don't I don't see it happening. Um, the stumbling block should be that sporting want to replace him with Hector Bellerin. Yeah. That's not a man you have playing wing back. <laughs> I don't care if you're in Portugal or wherever you are. I, I think that there might be something that comes in, but I think it'll be like really depressing like some kind of really average backup player somewhere uh not someone who's going to come into the first team and actually improve the improve the team or or squad or anything there we go uh until next time adios adios cam it is lovely to be hearing from you again it's an interesting time to be an Everton fan, as always. How are we doing today? Yeah, always a pleasure, never a chore to catch up with you, Luke. Not too bad, not too bad. My end, yourself? All good. All the better for you being here. Before we get started, if we go back to last deadline day, you were in a bullish mood and you made one of my all-time favourite guest features on the show. Now, I would just like to play you a best-of compilation from your 15 minute conversation with us and i think that will uh get us in the right place to uh keep the conversation flowing you can so, play uh, it luke but i'm going to be honest with you i'm not going to be in a bullish move and this is probably going to be one of your least favorites guest appearances on the show well we'll see i'll uh i'll let you hear this now absolutely good to be back fans wanted it here i am <laughs> Just how much do you think the level has been raised at Everton? I'm going to be honest, I'm going to say, I would actually say significantly, which might be a surprise because you've got the names like Gomez, <laughs> Allen, Decore, uh, big names, yeah. but Gomez and Allen had <laughs> big names in the They're established names, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, They're established true. players at top level. Um, I think Onana definitely. Well, watching him against Leeds, I thought he was really good. Um, good at breaking up play, made a lot of challenges. <laughs> feel like maybe there's a young Yaya Torre there. And then I think he's just a gay. I could see him slotting in there. He's poor man's Kante, but you've charmed me. So I, I just see a lot of raw ability, which is hopefully, you know, as long as he stays fit, I think we'll be demanding a bigger fee than 60 million for him at the end of the year. Not a slam in the West Ham fans, but I'm saying like, you know, if you want to go to a library, go to a West Ham. All I have to do is point back to those games, those key games, last three games, fighting relegation. 
The fans have dragged the club out of it. This is a historic club, never relegated in the Premier League. What Frank is doing with the club now and the team is making us hard to beat. I think that's fair to say. Um, we haven't conceded that many. Uh, I know we haven't won any games yet, but... Who's bothered about stuff like that, really? You never shine so bright. You never shine so bright. The later, boys. Who on earth do you think you are? <laughs> Who do you think you are? You, you can see why I said it was an all-time favourite. Just, just when you think he can't outdo himself, he just keeps doing it. It goes on. Listen, Luke. You wait till the Arsenal uh, collapse. I'll, you, you wait. Uh, no, I'll tell you. I sat down um, in the early hours of last night watching the NFL. And the, I was just going to go on and I was going to get the little clip of you saying uh, about Onana being the young Yatore. And I thought, I'll just listen to this. And every time I thought you were finished, it just kept getting better <laughs> well, well, and better. Well, and then why did you say, Frank's let's, made let's it hard to beat? that comment. Onana, young Yatore. Who were the two clubs linked with him recently? Arsenal, Chelsea. Yeah, well, well, we're also linked with Jorginho. So maybe that's not... Well, I mean, look, at the end the of the day, we got... I'll stand by that. I'll die on that sword, you know? That kid has got massive potential. Have we seen the best of him? No. Would we see the best of any player in the situation that we are currently in? Probably not. But at the same time, it says a lot that Arsenal, who are league leaders, and Chelsea, who, you know, well, it doesn't say a lot when Chelsea yeah. are linked with you, but it says a lot when <laughs> she's yeah. linked with a player. And a player that's come into a new league, his club aren't doing well, they're in the relegation zone, things aren't looking bright. But Arsenal are coming in, linked with him. It says a lot about him, in my opinion. It does. Uh, the other things that, I mean, Frank's made you hard to beat. Yeah, I, I won't die on that sword. Um, <laughs> but I, let's just get into it. Let's, let's, let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, uh, Where do you want to start? Do you want me to kick off with my thoughts on the current situation? So, a lot has changed as we've just gone over. Gordon did, in fact, go for less than 60 million. Frank has got the chop. Deitch has come uh, in. If we start with Frank, start with- right decision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, here's the thing with Frank Lampard, and I'll be completely honest with you here. I think that with Frank, Everton had gone through you know, a cycle of managers beforehand where a lot of managers weren't given a full chance. Mashiri had made some loose appointments, namely Benitez. Um, he'd made a great appointment in Ancelotti, but Ancelotti, isn't it weird to think Ancelotti, who's Real Madrid current Champions League, winners and we're in the relegation zone now um he made a great decision leaving but it's we've gone through a cycle of managers we brought frank in he helped get us out of that relegation fight everyone wanted to see him be given a fair shot right it wasn't a case of you know we want to see a change in manager after a few games where he lost we wanted to see him given a fair shake of the whip um and he had that you know by all means he had that and I think what was found out was you know you've you got managers like Frank like like Gerard that have you know there's no way you can slice and dice it they've got big jobs based on their reputation for what they did as players um, and you could say that they've you know been found out for their deficiencies and kind of lack of experience in management this season um, it's a shame that he had to go uh, thought he was great in that relegation fight last season but you know, found out this season. 
Was it concerning for you that the two people interviewed for the Everton job were Bielsa and Deitch, like two wildly different managers? Because that, if the accusations about Everton have been a lack of strategy, that's not a great way of kind of answering those critics. Well, what I think what it clearly shows is that who's who's running the ship in terms of that managerial appointment. Because from everything that I was reading, there was three there was three people with three different opinions. So you had Mashiri. Um, Ken Wright and um, Falwa, um, if that's how it's pronounced. But and each one had a preference, and they were all very different managerial types. I think Mashiri hasn't had the reality check of, we're in a relegation fight. We need to be organized now. We need to be structured. Um, and he still seems to think that, you know, we could probably finish top half or whatever by the people that he, he probably wanted to come in. Um, not the case. Uh, you know, there isn't, there hasn't been a cohesive direction. Um, but I think the right appointment was made, if I'm being completely honest. I think with where you were last season, I do agree with you in that managers like Gerard and Lampard do certainly have some strengths. And clearly, Lampard did have the dressing room United. I don't think any of us needed to see that clip of him telling Seamus Coleman what a great bloke he is again. But if you want someone to get you out of that position, sometimes it is just someone like Frank who turns you into a band of brothers rather than someone saying these insane tactical instructions and this is what we're going to do and this is what we're not Luke, going to do. Luke, I, so I agree with there. you there, but I think there's a key difference. You know, when Lamp, Lamp, when Lamps was in and Frank's in, when the prospect of relegation is a real fear and you were running out of games to 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 survive right the, the the fans are more bought in the players have to be more united when you come into a season and relegation isn't the forefront of your mind the fans aren't as bought in as they were at the exactly. end of last season and the dressing room doesn't have to be as united because in their minds they're thinking you know what We've got time. We've got an abundance of games to go. When they, you know, the reality is those games do run out thick and fast. Um, so I think that's where you get. You want someone that can come in, get everyone united, uh, kind of build that bond with the fans at the end of the season when you're running out of games. But if you're looking to really kind of progress and move forward, you need someone that has the tactical nous from the start of the season. In reality, I think that's what we found out with Frank and Gerard. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Because you you credited the fans quite rightly with keeping Everton up last season, whereas this season it's been extremely toxic at Goodison. Is it going to be easy for everyone to get behind Deitch, or is there some people that are just fed up of Everton as a bunch? Um, well, look, I think the, the, what I like about Deitch is it's a great opportunity for him as well. Um, you know, this is a, a much bigger club than Burnley. Um, all he has to do for this to be a successful season is to keep us up. I know that's way easier said than done, but you know, how many jobs are you going to get where you can come in at a club like Everton, finish 17th and be like, great season, you know? So for him, it's a massive opportunity. I think the fans will get behind him. I think what will make us, I'm going to say the words, is going to make us hard to beat. Um, it's going to bring a bit more structure to the team. We all know Deitch, Mr. 442. Um, it's going to be the dirtiest four four two. Yeah, ever but that's seen. what that's what you need. I mean, you, when you 
the thing, the thing is, look, when you're in these relegation scraps, you know, you can't be conceding five or six goals a game because we all know goal difference into it and that can play a massive part you need to be structured you need to be organized you need to not be conceding now obviously there's also kind of the the lack of goals is concerning in the team um the lack of i guess striking options is a concern but you know we've got a couple of days hopefully we can bring, bring some bodies in um and be in a better place after january transfer window yeah, we we were the only team that didn't get to play a Frank Lampard Everton side in the league yet, and so we've got to play Deitch twice. And when I was seeing the appointments uh, being made in the interviews, the thought of playing a game against Bielsa in his first game, I could not believe our luck. <laughs> so I thought the the squad you've got that's going to take some serious time to get going. Deitch, however, different proposition. Deitch actually. The team that he's lost the second most games to is uh, Arsenal. But still, I don't look forward to that tie. What are we thinking? Like Gray and Iwobi wide, Tarkovsky and Cody centre-back, Anana to Decore central, DCL and Mopé. Uh, I don't know if that Decore. Uh, he seems... Uh, look, look I, I I don't know. DCL, Mopé, we'll, whether he will go 4-4-2. We'll have to see. It could be a 5-4-1. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, oh, but... I think you know. At the end of the day, he's 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 got more experience than Lampard. You trust him to. He seems to me like the kind of guy that's going to be very honest with the players, and I think the likes of hopefully be able to le- kind of lean on the likes of Cody and Tarkovsky to bring them together. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's not the great the greatest of games to to come into, uh, you know, facing the league leaders. But it is at home. And if he can just nick a result here, you know, we saw what happened last season with Damari Gray. If you can get three points here. And that's the other thing with the relegation fight at the moment is, you know, everyone's very doom and gloom about Everton and rightly so. But you do look at it and you think, well, hang on, we are three points off 14th. So you get two free wins and you're having a completely different conversation, right? So um, there's a massive opportunity for Daesh. You think for, for most teams, it's as you'd expect anyway, but I know Deitch, a big thing, as he says, a bare minimum is he expects you to work hard. And I saw a clip with some guy, I couldn't even tell you his name. I think he play, must have played for Deitch in a championship. He said he made his debut. He ran around a bit for 15 minutes. He said he nearly scored. And he came off, and it must have been when Joey Barton was there, because he said Barton told him, don't answer him back. And he thought he was going to get a big pat on the back. So he sat down in the dressing room and Deitch came right up to him and he said, have you got much to say for yourself? And oh, thank you. He's like, You've made me look a prick out there, you have. <laughs> Come on like that. Don't even put yourself about. 15 minutes making your debut. And he said he played like one more game because Deitch had just made his mind up. I saw the, the clips of Bamford complaining about Deitch the other day doing the rounds again. <laughs> Deitch asking him, who came to who came with you when you were uh, signed your contract? And he said, "My my dad." And he was like, "Yeah, tells me a lot." Let's let's be honest. We haven't got time for to you know put put an arm around a shoulder of someone that's a bit sensitive out on the pitch right now. I.e. Anthony Gordon. Well, he kept calling Bamford he, a posh he boy, didn't he? Put... Saying you've not come from the same place. Yeah, as he hasn't that. got time to put an arm around Gordon and tell him everything's going to be okay, Anthony. It'll all be okay. No, he's got to go in there and start, you know, putting his foot down and 
bringing together a squad of men, not boys. That's the reality. Well, where's it all gone wrong for Anthony Gordon? His ego. He... So is that all you put it down to? Like, can, is there a particular point of which? I mean, you, you, you look a... back and you think the Chelsea links. Um, and look, I'm, the reality is, you know, Anthony Gordon had, you look at, he looked like, a, a he, and he is, he's a very talented football player, but he actually hasn't done that much when you look at his stats as well. Like he hasn't got many goals and assists. The goals he has scored have been deflected, like most of them, if I'm being honest. So a lot of Evan Fun saying it's now he's left. Uh, it's weird. They, they have. I mean, <laughs> can't work it out. The goal he scored against United last season, like it's a poor shot. It's been deflected and it's gone in. I, I liked him as a player. Hey, you don't have to convert me. It's fine. I liked him as a player when he first came on the scene. The Chelsea links, what was it? You know, 60, 70 mil. Um, 60 mil, yeah. You know, they'll go to any player's head, but you couple that in with the fact that he used to dive all the time. Um, proper shit. I don't remember Cam saying this. I bet you were really proud of that when he was winning those free kicks for you. (laughs) I I just, yeah, I just. I can't work out either why he wouldn't want to stick around at Everton. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, look, I don't. Now I don't blame him for wanting to leave, given that doesn't have that dog. He doesn't have that dog in him. Doesn't have that dog in him. Um. He when when fans are chasing down your car, you don't exactly want to play for the club, right? But, um, <laughs> but his ego. The Yerry Mina one of that was so much better because he didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. Was it? Who's who's the lad that was on loan at Sunderland? Because he's driving in his car and oh, people Ellison. screaming, "You're not fit to wear the shirt." And he's played like 17 minutes. <laughs> yeah, in the poor, league poor lad, poor lad. Um, I mean, that, do you know what that the Ellis Sims him being recorded on loan and then not. I don't think he was brought on when we needed a goal. And I was just thinking, what's the point in bringing this lad back a goal? And they've replaced him with Gellhart. just like right? sitting with him on the bench. But, but Anthony Gordon, look, I'll be interested to see how it works out at Newcastle for him. Um, I think he's going to find... <sighs> he, <laughs> he just seems like the type of player the fans will actually love there. A bit of a shithouse. And, um, you know, he's already had that conversation <laughs> with Newcastle fans. So we'll see how that goes. But... Um, I'll be interested to see how it goes. I think they're going to invest heavily in the squad over the next few seasons. So we'll see how good he is, right? If he's, if he's still there in three, four years, you know, I'd, I'd imagine he'll have grown as a player. If he isn't, we'll have seen that he's actually not, wasn't worth the money or the hype. Well, you've taken that money and a 40 plus 5 million bid went in earlier today for Conor Gallagher. Yeah. Do Everton just never learn? What's the never learning part about? I mean, Conor Gallagher. <laughs> I mean, oh, come on, help yourself from, here. From one overrated Englishman, everyone in football knows at some point Chelsea are having a fire sale because they've got all of these players that they can't play, they can't pay, and Everton have jumped straight in. No negotiation. We'll give you forty-five million for this bloke just, that no, no, no. you're trying I to get rid of. Is is the other thing? I mean, yeah, to us it doesn't seem like there's no negotiation, but. You know, we're not in the we don't have we're not in the inner circle of these clubs. For all we know, Newcastle or Leicester. Are you suggesting that you've haggled them down? No, but Newcastle or Leicester could have been <laughs> in talks with them and had a bid put in that we just don't know about. You know, so you know, forty plus five for Conor Gallagher for how he performed last season. Yeah, I'd take that all day. Given that Anthony Gordon just went for forty-five, why not? But I thought. The, the 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 common rationale around the Anthony Gordon one is that he's not worth forty five million. Yeah, 
So you've taken that to spend on someone else who's not worth forty five million. Is he not worth forty five million? I don't think he's worth fourteen million. <laughs> Luke, come on, come on, mate. I mean, I'm... Well, you're, you're being linked with like Sulemana, who I mean, not watching much of him as Gallagher, but that seems a far more sensible purchase when not, you look. Not at Premier League but... proven. Oh, now, don't get me wrong. This kid looks like a future Ballon d'Or winner. Um, <laughs> no, he looks he, from the from the from the twenty. There's another clip. I've seen on YouTube or whatever. <laughs> the kid looks like he's what we're missing. Pacey winger, direct. Um, but, you know, there's always a bit of trepidation when you've got a player from the French League, etc., coming in. It's completely different ball game, right? The defence are more athletic, pacey and whatnot. So I'd like him to come in. But Conor Gallagher, absolutely take him every day of the week for how if we get the version of him that before, was at Palace last season. He he's a pressing monster, and it's if you can get that going in your team. But I don't know. It feels, as you've already pointed out, that goals are oh, like, the glaring well, issue. When you say side. he's a pressing monster, you know what have we just said about Dyche? He wants players that. But in a in a four four two, are you going to have him and Onana oh, in the middle? Oh wow, wow! <laughs> what a centre midfield pairing that would be. I've just seen the FA Cup draw. How have Man United drawn Durham at home? Well, Luke, let's um, let's stay on subject as uh, time. Oh wait, that's a women's one because Arsenal are in the draw. Um, Chelsea, Arsenal. Yeah, women's oh. draw. So, uh, well, we definitely aren't in the FA Cup anymore. Nice. Back to Everton. Do you think you'll stay up? No. And does Deitch stay if you don't? Yes. Or be else. Surely you've got enough tools there to be able to stay up. But then I guess everyone else is investing crazy. The Premier League right now, you look at the investment of the likes of Forest. I mean, Bournemouth would, they were Bournemouth just trying to sign from Roma, but 30, 40 million. Zaniola. It is the, every team that comes up is spending. Um, the whole quality of the Premier League is through the roof. Um, you know, it is the Super League. Um, it's it's going to be very hard. Can the fans play the role that they played last season? Have they got it in them again? I would say yes, but you know, when you're down there, seasons two seasons on the bounce, it does become harder, right? Um, do you think that clips put anyone off signing? The clip of players being oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, why would you want to? I mean, if if you're a player, top player, Premier League player, proven. You've got options. Do you want to go to? It's it goes both ways, right? You want to pay for a passionate fan base that gets behind you, where the atmosphere is electric, but you also don't want to be chased in your car if you lose a game. I mean, what was the French team? Was it Saint Etienne? Were they relegated and the fans ran on the pitch to try and fight the players? Yeah, that sounds right. That's who. Yeah, I mean, you don't want that, do you? So uh, (laughs) you wouldn't want to go and play for them if that was going to happen. So I totally get some players are probably thinking, nah, I'll stay away for the time being. And there's probably some other players that are thinking, you know what, I can get some big wages off of Everton here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems Conor Gallagher has projected the move, at least for now. Yeah, probably. So you, you need to get Bielsa back in to manage a youth team like he was Um <laughs> The Bielsa links were weird, weren't they? I mean... For me, it's when you're in a relegation battle, as I mentioned earlier, you, you need to be organised and strong defensively. Um, 
look at what he was doing at Leeds the last season before he went. They were conceded. They were they were doing great going forward, but they were conceding yeah. four or five a game. Is 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 this move better for anyone than Michael Keane? Looked like he was on his way out, being linked with all sorts of teams. Right. Deitch is going to want to keep him. You imagine? Is he going to start him? I don't know. I think he's. He's probably not going to start him, but he's going to have a role for him. You'd imagine. What would the role be? Centre backs. Oh, I imagine I mean, centre backs don't get subbed that often. I think it wouldn't take much of a drop off for him to go back to old reliable. No, I'm just saying. I mean, Keane and Tarkovsky. Also, I was you, on. The, I was on the podcast saying them. They should be starting for England. Cody, Tarkovsky, <laughs> Mina, Godfrey, Holgate. Mina, Godfrey, Holgate. Yeah, Keane. So you've got six centre backs there. Um, no, I'm telling you, those three I think are useless. Hey, Have you seen Michael Keane though? Yeah, but Michael Keane, yeah. I mean, look. Michael Keane is better than all three of them. I've got he's done. He's better than Godfrey. I'd have Godfrey. But so I'd, take you know what? I'd, I'd almost consider if Patterson's out injured or suspended, I'd put Godfrey in at right back ahead of Coleman. He is, is, he's shot to bits, isn't he? It's it's a it's a collective start. Yes, for a couple of years. Coleman but... <laughs> is starting games now, isn't it? Mikolenko is going to be your next big sale, isn't it? Uh, what do you mean by big sale? Over twenty million. Probably get twenty for him. He hasn't done anything to enhance his reputation this season, though. I don't I'd... think anyone has, but I think he's probably got more well, stock than the rest has. of us. And so would Arsenal and Chelsea. We'll see. Maybe it's a bad look for him if we go for Jorginho instead. Not really. I mean, I think it's from what I read, and he turned down. Well, he turned down the move to Chelsea to stay and help fight the relegation yep. battle, which I would assume he would have done the same with with Arsenal. I don't think that's an indictment I on your he, club. I think that's more of his personality. I hope not. I think he was just very anti-Roman was maybe more of it. <laughs> I think it was a case of... Uh, he he, see, he strikes me as the type of guy looking at his mannerisms when he's playing. He's trying to you know bond with the crowd, get them up for it, etc. He's very... Um, what's the word? He's very dramatic. Um, yeah, Passionate. so it, it doesn't surprise me that he said no to Chelsea. I'd imagine that's the same for Arsenal, but he's probably told them, come back in for me in the summer. Um, and we'll have to... It's probably as much about game time. I respect a player that turns down being a rotation option to be a first-team player somewhere else, and I imagine that's played a key maybe, part of it. Maybe, maybe. Um, and we don't know what money you're asking for. How much would it have been? How much would he have cost? 50? I, 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 I didn't see anything. That's why I think I messaged you in the week like... If Gordon's worth forty-five, then how much is Onana worth? Yeah, but Gordon Gordon's got the English tax, hasn't he? So, Onana's uh, well, got the talented tax. I would yeah, say. but there's also well, there's a school of thought that if you get relegated, you're not going to be selling them for the, you know, you're not going to get full value on them, is there? Um, how much would it cost to get Onana? I think Everton would probably have accepted fifty to sixty. Exactly. That's maybe. Uh, that's maybe why he's still there. But I think that does us for now. We've still got plenty more people to talk to, so we'll let you go. We'll be sure to get you back next deadline day hey. and uh, any time you want to jump well, on before that. If we're that. still in the Premier League, yeah, have me back for next deadline day. If not... You can do a little championship feature next next season, a little 15 minutes in uh, each episode. I, I don't know if I've got that in me. I may have to retire from football for a year. Um, <laughs> Under the and lights. Just, and just follow my Eagles in the NFL. Wow. <laughs> Eagles now. <laughs> I knew I'd get a reaction, right. Cheers, I'm boys. With Adios. Jack, 208 
$12.5 million spent, excluding add-ons. Eight players in. As we've covered before, you are essentially numb to transfer talk now. Yeah. Mudrick, €70 million. Euros. We know the truth behind that, so we'll, we'll gloss past the figure. <laughs> Benoit Badiashile, Noni Maduk, Malo Gusto, Andre Santos, David Datro Fofana, Yao Felix, and Gabriel Slonina. Gabriel Slonina returning to the club or coming to the club for the first time returning from his loan. So many questions to ask you, some that we've covered already, so we'll try to gloss past those. But with Steve Cooper, he was a settled manager that was told he needed time because he had so many new players. Graham Potter is at a new club with new players. Do you think Chelsea can ever find success with windows this frantic because when we've been speaking you said that even with Roman it wasn't like this no it's proof will be in the pudding what I will say from this is the fact that they've done an entire squad rebuild in one window um two if you count the summer I just it, it just it's beyond belief I've never seen anything like it I never thought I'd see anything for it like it ever again because at least with Roman Mark one, you kind of had these big, massive names slotting into gaps in our in our um, team, which you could see yeah. like, the actual project. You could see that they're slotting in because that's we need a star player in that position that's going to win us the league. We're seeing this amount of money spent on players that prior to this window or prior to last summer, no one's really heard of. So it's the first time that I've looked at these transfers and I thought. I honestly have no idea how this turns out because half the players I haven't seen play. Well, I named eight players to you there. Yao Felix, probably the only one you heard of before this? Uh, Felix, Mudrick, just because the Arsenal kind of connection. Yeah, yeah. That was literally about it. Um, I haven't seen any of them play, if I'm being brutally honest, since we were linked to them. And then I've gone and done a bit of reading and <laughs> what have you. And honestly, I mean, this is why they employ directors of football because they know more than we do. But I have no idea how this is going to turn out. Well, Malo Gusto, we're led to believe, was being pursued as a competitor to Reese James at right back. Leon wouldn't sell unless it was agreed for him to be loaned straight back. Does this perhaps tell you a fair bit about the expectations for this season? Yeah, 100%. I, I genuinely think this season, they know it's a write-off. They knew it was a write-off when they sacked Tuchel. That's why Potter hasn't been sacked, because this is the build next season I imagine the project starts where they'll have the people in that they want they'll get rid of the people in the summer that they don't want and then that will be their lean structure that they that they operate with I mean it's an efficient way of going about things I have to say um yeah let's see how it turns out because Paddy Ashili we knew we know can be centre-back and left-back so that kind of covers the Ben Chilwell shaped hole in your team that's kind of been in and out of the side. You've got Cucurella there as well, obviously, but maybe the lesser about him, the better. <laughs> um, Gusto, obviously, is a savvy pickup in that you think he's going to be worth more in the summer. We know that City are definitely going to be in for a right back, plenty of others. So it makes sense. All of these deals, I think if you take a lot of them in isolation, you can explain them. But it's when you look at like the sheet of paper I've got in front of me, then it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I, I do feel that this t- this it will become to make more sense as soon as we have players going out the door, like we've seen 
players leave today, we'll see a, a mass exodus, I imagine, during the summer. And then I imagine it, these are going to be, have been targets for the new boards and the directors of football. For I imagine it's like a wish list of players like from Leipzig targets or Brighton targets that they would have wanted if they had the money. And now they've had the money and it's almost just like a fire sale of, right, this is how I feel this, this works. And I feel that that's the structure that they've taken with most of these deals. At least with a lot of these signings as well, there is appear to be, as Jack's kind of touched on, that they've done the scouting, they've done the work on this, rather than, oh, I've heard they're linked with him, we're going to go for him, as has been <laughs> yeah. with the Mudrick and other ones, which did appear to be sort of a Bowley's great strategy at one point. Well, I saw that someone's actually shown how you can do that on Football Manager now. On the new one, <laughs> you can filter by like world reputation. <laughs> They essentially say you do that and then they have the little wanted tab, don't you, next to the name on Football Manager if someone else is in for the player. And so there's whole people now doing their saves so, uh, using the bowling method. TK, uh, Jack said there no expectations for this season. I've hinted at the same. Do you not think that when this money has been spent, when you can have Yao Felix and Mudrick and all of these players in an attacking lineup? There has to be some level of expectation. Like Chelsea are 10 points behind. I would think that when you spent this amount of cash, that should be your expectation. You're charging that down. I I was going to ask Jack, is Champions League football not, you know, going to be a requisite for the ownership at this point? Surely they're going to be looking at it going, well, that's a huge hole in the finances if we don't get that. And we've given you the tools to do it, Graham. Go and get it. I would have thought, certainly I'm it's a write-off of the season in terms of success, in terms of winning something, but I would have thought that was factored in, though. Champions League football this season can be the difference between Chelsea passing and failing financial fair play with the new UEFA <laughs> There you go. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's the expectation. I didn't count that as success. Personally, I, didn't, I thought you meant win something. Yeah, um, yeah. I think now, yeah, 100%. Like, our main issue has been injuries, which is why we've been so shit. A multiple of different things, but only having 11 players injured we've got a whole new starting 11 so I would surmise that they're expecting top four finish at least because if you look at the teams above us I like your Brightons your Fulham's the Brentford's teams like that come on name the other teams that we know you're referring right, to as you well know, you know what I'm saying but no I meant United Newcastle Spurs Tottenham yeah I mean the amount of money that we've spent in comparison you would think that we would get there. I mean, I don't know. The way that I've seen us play this season, I'm holding out no hopes. But yeah, I mean, if I've been dropping quarter of a bill in the January window, I'm expecting a top four finish. And it may be more than that. We know that Chelsea have seemingly been locked in a room with Benfica officials for the last three days. They've effectively said, we're willing to pay you 120 million. We're willing to pay you over 120 million, but it needs to be on our terms. Now, Benfica is saying he's got a release clause if you want him that bad, pay it. The fact that there are these talks going on shows there's a willingness to do a deal. The latest update is that he's being allowed to have a medical on the basis that we think this could go right up until the deadline and we want everything ticked off just in case. Chelsea's method of doing business does now point to why every club owner will say, no, we want the full package. But the, the the main question out of all of this, and I've asked you this similar question before, how the hell do you have 
a 120 million defensively minded midfielder ever be a success? I think Enzo Fernandez brings something to that Chelsea team that we don't have currently, which is yes, you say defensive minded, defensive minded, but he does bring creativity. He did great chance creation stats, and he's a bit more of an engine than he is just defensively minded. He's, I would say, he's more box to box. I was going to say he's technically gifted. It's not like yeah. he's just like a limited oh, shoulder. Sure. Yeah, it's, but I mean, like by uh, contrast, you'd probably say is is Caicedo that sort of technically gifted by comparison. But it's like, how can you be better than what Kante has been for Chelsea? And that's what I mean. I don't know. I don't understand how you can hit a certain level as a midfielder where you can't attribute to it. So yeah, Van Dijk's going to be judged on clean sheets. If you sign a 120 million striker, it's quite simple. I feel like have you put the ball in the back we're, of the net? Part of a midfielder's longevity. I always feel if, he, if he's your midfielder for the next, you know, like eight years, I feel like that's probably how you maybe judge it. There, there's that, but then there's also if you look at our chance creation stats from and just from giving it the eye test, our midfield does not create chances, nor does it score goals. Enzo Fernandez does bring a bit of both to that. Hmm. If you could, whereas. Jorginho has probably been our top scorer, but that's only because of penalties. We don't score midfield goals. It's just as simple as I did, that. I didn't mean to to limit him quite to that extent. I essentially no, no, I've got... like it's not like when United signed Bruno and it was like, okay, this is a goal scoring midfielder. It's, it's, like, it's easy to, to quantify yeah, what he's yeah. offering. But, but, but if you've been oh, that's one hundred percent right, and that's what I'm trying to get at is that if you look at the way that we've played for at least the last season, like last twelve months, if not eighteen, we really struggle to create anything from a midfield perspective he brings that which is why we looks like Bode is willing to bet the house on Enzo Fernandez, Fernandez being yeah. that guy because the whole kind of the whole narrative has been that Lukaku hasn't worked Tammy didn't work Aubameyang hasn't worked Habits isn't working but the, the crux of it is with James and Chilwell injured they're not getting the service whereas I believe this signing really opens up the middle of the park for chance creation and then alle- alleviates the pressure on the wings to create all of our chances. Do you do you think that can ever work in terms of kind of the wider public perception? So the where the pressure comes from, so the tabloid newspapers, whether they're going to put a big cross next to your name and say you're a flop or whether they're going to say you're a hit. Because even if you go back with De Bruyne, people didn't really give him the credit until the numbers started hitting. Like Joe Public aren't quoting in their conversation but have you seen his chance creation stats as much as we may quantify it and say oh, i can see what he's doing there the amount of pressure that can get piled on a midfielder just because they don't have that next to their name and there's going to be pressure like you've never seen before when you're a premier league record signing i think it's very dangerous um for what you're bringing him into especially the way you're playing at the moment and i don't i don't know i like the player it's uh it's just a, a, a mental move. It is. And you're you're 100% right. I think he is a player that would be more of an unsung hero. You'll see it via the, the team results more than individual stats. I think you'll see if other players start flourishing, i.e. our attacking players, if we start actually scoring goals, then that will be of a direct um, consequence of Enzo Fernandez joining that team because that's not what we're doing at the moment. And we rely way too heavily on yeah. mistakes and then wing crosses. Like I think what? that's how he should be judged. And I feel that if you're in a winning team, it's a lot harder to get negative, negative props. When a lot of people 
talk about your uh, signings as well. It's effectively uh, framed as, well, it fits within financial fair play and if we can keep fitting it within financial fair play, which almost paints the picture that this money can't run out. Like at some point, you aren't going to be spending 400 million a window. (laughs) And so I do like, I've just been speaking to not just yourself as a Chelsea fan and it's like, oh, well, we'll get Enzo now and then Rice and Caicedo in the summer and we're also going to need to get a striker in the summer. We're also <laughs> like, even if you can fit it within financial fair play, which I don't doubt there's going to be all these creative ways of doing it. I think financial fair play, we've seen how ridiculous it is just in the last year or so as if we didn't think that already. Yeah. Um, your uh, contract stretching is essentially City's fake sponsorships. It's just a different way around this. I- um I think I mean there was nothing wrong up until now of doing that for us, whereas fake sp- absolutely not is abs- is abjectly wrong. <laughs> like yeah, 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 one feels like a workaround, one is just a flagrant like this is cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's. Yeah. I'm just saying it, it's, it's it's I'm I completely agree with what you mean. I'm just saying it's shown that yeah, I if you it. want to spend the money, you can spend yeah, the money. You'll find basically, a way. yeah, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Um, and so that's why I do wonder where the limit there is going to be. Maybe it's as you say, you're getting the squad in place, and then it's will sign this one player this summer. And maybe Chelsea do. They're going to spend £200 million on two players every year. But I do wonder at some point uh, how it's going to work because it's also, you can't build a squad even if you have the money to of £100 million players because £100 million players want to play. Yeah. And keeping everyone happy there is going to be interesting. Um, Ziyech joining PSG, offers coming in for Gallagher. We're going to speak about another Chelsea player in just a moment. Pulisic and Azpilicueta links elsewhere. Is this perhaps the best sign for you that you can actually start to shape this squad and you can actually see that starting to come into play? 100%. I think the way that I've looked at this, it's kind of like one of those, you know, those artistic videos you see on Facebook or just compilations where they're drawing lines to start with. And you're like, well, what's going on here? This makes absolutely no sense. And the camera pans out at the end and it's like, ah, that's what they were making. I feel Bowley like is Bob Ross. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like this is exactly what this kind of whole scenario is going to turn into where we're going to see players that like Pulisic, he's had four seasons now and I think he stayed fit for about six, eight months of that. And we're finally just washing our hands of it. And I think that was about time. I think if you looked at the signings we made towards the end of Roman's period of what we thought was going to be the new Chelsea of ZH, Pulisic, Werner, um, and Havertz as well has to fall into that category a little bit. They haven't worked. And they would have been too scared to cut the losses before, which would have meant that we're in quite a, a really bad state because we're not going to cut our losses. Whereas now, the new owners are coming with a zero amount of debt and just thought, you know what? New identity, get out with the old in with the new. And that kind of seems where they've gone with this. Well, I didn't want to spend too long on him as we'll be covering him during the Arsenal segment later. But Jorginho to Arsenal is happening. Um if you go back and listen to this episode, you will actually hear the reaction when the news first broke yesterday. Um, probably the the realest moments feels like I'm a hip hop artist there, but the, the the realest moments since the Unai Emery news broke <laughs> also on the podcast. Because um, we were in the middle of a trailer thought yesterday and then my phone flashed up and I see that. <laughs> How do you feel about the move? Um, I'm not sad to see him go. I'm, I'm grateful for what he did for for Chelsea. 
but I can't watch a midfield with him in it ever again. We had to stop playing three uh, to a midfield because of him. And you look at some of the goals that he's been the main contributor of, i.e., the wrong the, the wrong end. It all comes out of him kind of dilly dallying on the ball, losing it, and then just being so slow that he cannot catch up with them. This is so disrespectful. I've never he seen a player as slow as him, I don't think. He might be the slowest I've ever wow. seen. Wow. Like, I, I genuinely think I could beat him in the sprint. 100%. I've seen him live, and he is so much slower <laughs> than anyone else on the pitch. Like, watching him week in, week out, I'm just in the flesh. I'm like, how can you be that slow? There's been times where I've seen Thiago Silva outrun him. He's 40. It's I, it's mind-boggling how slow this man is. I have always thought yeah. it, it must be testament to how technically good he must be because yes, athletically yes. he has so little to offer. And, and I, I have to admire the fact of he's been in the Premier League five years now and he's absolutely not gained a single ounce of muscle. <laughs> he's, he's got... He's got the structure of a 14-year-old bloke. Him and Fabio Vieira uh, are going to have an arm wrestle first day. I saw saw the tweet from an Arsenal fan saying, like, they may be ballers, like Zinchenko, Vieira and um, Jorginho, but I feel like I could beat all of them at scrap in the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Within that, he's acknowledged that. I know this isn't the point. He's like, yeah, it's not the point at all that you can scrap. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? It's a weird one for me because something just clicked in my head last night and I was like, this is actually a fantastic play. I'm I was watching some highlights and I, I actually think he probably should have come higher in the Ballon d'Or. In <laughs> you said this long term as well. You've always said that. Ex- You've always exactly. been a supporter. Um, if you were to look at it from... Uh, how do I do this? Okay, if you were selling him to Arsenal... And I'm not doing this. So I know you had some salesman way. So you're not trying to do a dodgy deal here. If you were an intermediary and you're explaining to Arsenal all the excellent things that he can bring to this Arsenal side, what would be the points that you would lean on? I think he's got experience of winning big trophies in midfield. And when you come into the run-in towards the end of this season, which like, is looking far out ahead at the moment, but there may be fraught times where you need a bit of experience in quite a young team and someone where... He's won Europa Leagues, Champions Leagues with Chelsea. He's won titles. That's not you don't have a lot of that in your team at the moment. Where it, I don't think you've got anyone that's won anything in your team currently, apart from maybe Odegaard at Real Madrid. Maybe you're fucking joking me. The whole narrative <laughs> of our season is we brought in two four-time Premier League title winners in Zinchenko and Jesus. Yeah, but that, I don't look at Zinchenko as a leadership kind of guy oh no we've got Gary Neville have we had a Gary Neville in here this is the most ridiculous thing ever he's technical brilliant but he's in tears half the time did you not watch the all or nothing this Man City one I I just feel sorry for him most of the time and I think most of his go back and watch the all or nothing Man City one that man is a leader I think that he's flourished in his Arsenal team because everyone gives him, well, yeah, you're right, mate. Gives him a little tap on the back every time he does something good. Right. I'm glad you're not on the old episode. <laughs> whereas, whereas City just seemed that level higher where it's just expected. I don't, I think he found it too much. You're supposed to tell me, no, he's a brilliant guy when he's got athletes around him. He's a guy that can control a game if you are in possession. Um, he's very technically secure. Oh, I mean, I've seen too many J5 horror shows to, to basically put my stamp on that statement however he is really good with the ball at his feet when he doesn't lose it and like one time out of ten if he loses it it's a goal but nine times out of ten he will find his way out of trouble and he's 
good at dictating the tempo of a game from midfield, albeit he doesn't do a lot of running himself. Um, don't get used to goal output unless it's from the spot. I mean, that's one thing. If you've got any that first penalty any, is going to hit like crack yeah, for me. Any penalties that I, I can see us playing you at the end of the season, getting a pen and George. I would not let him take it. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope Jack I applies would, a different sales technique at work. This is a tough one. He's not, <laughs> he's not so Jorginho to me. I, I was talking about Sinchenko for most of it. The pen, but. Um, <laughs> One thing I have been consistent on is I do love that penalty technique. I have been consistent with that. He has, he's a hard product to sell, especially at the age that he's at. The only thing that I would go big on if I was using selling points would be the experience levels and winning the Euros, the Champions League and the Europa League all recently and Boss being a heart of the team that's done that. He's got to be a good player. So he will do well for you, I'm sure. I shouldn't... uh look past that Jack tried a filthy jinx within about five seconds of this deal going through saying I can't believe he's gone straight to you just to win the league already <laughs> well that, that I can't believe he's going to create he's going to literally have won everything everything actually but maybe the FA Cup if he wins the league with you this season and like, it just seems like it's like Cancelo going to Bayern Munich like it just seems so wrong that they will get a medal at the end of the season <laughs> But it just is. You may not play enough. Um, Something I I will say, and I was going to mention this later, he's very similar to Xhaka in that every fan you speak to can tell you everything wrong with him. All of the players will never say a bad word about him technically and all of those things. And I always think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's hard from a fan perspective because we want to see excitement and passion and drive and skill and goals and long shots. Georgina didn't do any of that. He does all the gritty behind the scenes work that you're not really going to appreciate and probably don't appreciate until he's gone. The only way that I'm judging this is that we are a better team without him in the starting eleven. Wow. When I see his name on the when I see his name on a team sheet when I'm walking down King's Road I look at my Sky Sports and I'm like, oh, fuck's sake, like, no mobility in the midfield whatsoever. You're just going to have to rely on Kovacic again, who doesn't have the best goals up. So I don't, it doesn't excite. excite well, well on that note, we're going to move on to uh, Liverpool supporters, who I'm sure I'll have a lot more enjoyment speaking to. <laughs> um, if the Enzo deal does go through, then we'll hear from you a little later on. But until then, adios. Farewell. We are now joined by Jack Blackton, TK still here. So that's our Liverpool contingent for today. Now, let's start with the only deal done in the window. Cody Gakpo arrived from PSV for £37 million. This one moved very quickly. Once the initial burst of celebrating uh, Pippin United to the post-war off, questions were immediately asked about the need and fit for him in this squad. Blackton, I think I recall you messaging me about this one. Obviously not the huge PSV fan I thought you were. And I think you may have seen the clips we released with uh, TK discussing the deal. Now that you've had a chance to see him play, what are your early thoughts on the player? Yeah, I messaged you, mate, because I thought that... I always think of like a six-foot-four winger and you think of Sunday league, don't you? And think, oh, he should be playing centre-back. Um <laughs> And he looked clumsy. Um, he, I asked you about, you know, um, sort of 
can he play down the middle? And you, you basically said, you're in for a treat when you watch him do that. It's even worse. <laughs> and I was like, oh, surely not. He's on a wind-up. And anyway, lo and behold, Byron was right. Watched him play down the middle. And it's, yeah, it's worse. So now we've got three left-sided players where, you know, Diaz is the best and we've signed. I think personally, Nunes has got the least technical ability on a football pitch I've seen in a long time until Gakpo came in. Um, and... We've got three players that are best positions, their left hand side. What do we do now? Where do we go from here? Well, TK, I think we often talk about here like the profile and fit of a player compared to just picking the highest rated option, the top of the transfer list on FIFA compared to a comprehensive scouting report. How do you explain this one now? Like, is there any one trait that you can point to and say, that's what we've brought him in to do? Not really. Um, the only thing is if they look at him and think potentially that he's coachable, that they think they can make him either, I mean, either or just as I kind of touched on the clip that I did, that he's an expensive backup option. But um, I don't know. You, If he was on your bench and you brought him on, I don't think you'd have any conviction that he's going to change it up, is he? So I don't really know what the thinking was behind it. I think that's part of the concern. Because you've been crying out for a midfielder on here, much like every other Liverpool fan I know. And when you see other deals being done in this window, I just had a look down, just strictly Premier League deals. Yassine Ayari went from AIK to Brighton, Jorginho, Chelsea to Arsenal, Weston McKennie, Juve to Leeds, Maximo Perone, Velez Sarsfield to City, Danilo went from Palmeiras to Forest, Carlos Alcaraz from Racing Club to Southampton, and Yao Gomez went from Flamengo to Wolves. All of those are midfielders. All of those cost less than 20 million. Only two of them actually cost more than 10 million. Now, we don't know how many of them will be successful. And the bar for being a Liverpool player is obviously far different to a Southampton one, for example. But are these the kind of deals that Liverpool need to be exploring more? If you take Jorginho and Weston out of that mix. I'm not sure it is, if, to be honest. Um a lot of those players are a big gamble. I think that I'd like to think that based on the business that we've done in the past few years, that we'd have looked at that. I think that Weston McKenney's the only one that I saw where I was like, I'd have liked to have given him a go, especially on loan. But I don't. I think that we do need a high-profile signing at this stage. And what the most frustrating thing is is we bought Gakpo in. Um, couldn't agree more with TK. I can't see anything that he is good at. Reminds me of Curtis Jones. There's nothing he's good at <laughs> on a football pitch. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Nunes, at least he's quick, right? I get it. You know, you run onto the ball and he, he does all the right stuff. At least as that. Gakpo, there's nothing. And why haven't we put that 40 million? You know, if we had a 40 million fund, put that 40 million or even saved it because we're going to go backwards with him. Saved it for the summer gone you, you know break the bank for you which is not going to happen I don't care what anyone says but yeah I, it's just baffled me where the clubs um, what... where the clubs crippled though Luke is that you might have a point in that um, you know going for these players who certainly at least are a short term fix nothing else for not a lot of money but they don't want to do that but then they're reluctant when it comes to the big money purchases as well so you just kind of end up in a in a ground where, where you don't do anything and that's kind of what the club has tended to do well, that's where I mean is that so these deals and the midfielders that have gone in this window, they've either gone for below 20 million or they're going for like upwards of 80 million. And so there hasn't been a middle ground. So 
when I initially was penning this question, I was looking and saying, okay, is that 37 million easily transferable? So say James Ward-Prowse had gone to Newcastle for 40 million this window, where you could have gone, okay, there's a Premier League midfielder. We could just quite literally take that price and mm. say, why didn't you get him instead? Yeah. With this, I don't know if it's um, the scouting at Liverpool where if you don't feel you have the money to spend, then you should be looking and doing these deals earlier because the last few weeks, I've seen that Bacetic getting more praise than I've seen Cater, Fabinho, Milner, Henderson getting all season. And so there's maybe something in that and that you do have to take a chance on someone if you don't have the bank to shock at someone else. It's true. I would have quite liked the club just to... Uh test the waters with the fan base by linking us with Jorginho. Just, we need some legs in the field. <laughs> throw, throw a Jorginho rumour in there just to see the meltdown. So the Sabitzer to United one today, mm. that feels like, okay, if you don't just want to add a body, because you tried that with Arthur, right? That was... <laughs> Seems like it was a very broken is body. The, yeah. is <laughs> the highest rated midfielder we can get right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So someone like Sabitzer or someone on loan like McKenney as you say I'm sure there's all these uh, Serie A clubs Unahi I said he's just gone for 10 million surprised oh, we didn't get did a Rabiot did, oh wow did Unahi go I didn't know yeah, that yeah 10 million oh I didn't realise he was in that list mate I'd have included him with the gamble of Weston he McKennie. went to uh, Leon. I said that he was the smartest player in the World Cup I thought he was tidy I thought he might be a little bit weak but that was that, the only question, yeah, wasn't it? But he could because he never but he found pockets of space that strength never became a problem. And players like that don't actually need to always be strong. I don't find maybe different in the Prem, obviously, as I think we've discovered before with lightweight players, but I thought he was special. I didn't realise he had gone. Um and it's we missed that one. It's, it's tough with you as well because you look at some of these um so that, that like Danilo or you look at Amrabat who um Barcelona have been trying to get on a loan with an option today. I don't know in what world they think Fiorentina might accept that. <laughs> but you you almost, you don't need one of these enforcer-type players because you're banking on, you're hoping that Fabinho isn't shot to bits. Mm. And so bringing one of those in, you're probably not going to play him and Fabinho together or it's a very different-looking Liverpool side. So you're really looking for someone who's a bit more technically assured, who is also able to put a tackle in. But as you've seen on this market, they're harder and harder to come by. But you look at the guys, so I saw Liverpool link with Caicedo at the start of the window. The way these prices are going now, Liverpool need... I wouldn't be surprised to see you go in for Tielemans in the summer, to be honest, even though I know Klopp's kind of turned his nose up in before, just because I think you're going to need multiple bodies. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Tielemans doesn't provide the legs, though. I don't think... No. Do you know what? If somebody said to me that Tielemans or Ward-Prowse, I actually don't know the stats for either of them, but I haven't... I I wouldn't want to be quoted, but I don't think either run loads and loads. Ward-Prowse more so, but we need to replace Wijnaldum, and with, one, with more than one, like you said, we need two people... Um, you can't play a counter-pressing game with Harvey Elliott in the centre of the park. It's, it's baffling me every week. I've stopped what I didn't watch the FA Cup game and I saw that line and a bunch of <laughs> um, But how can you? You can't play the same way. You might you might as well set up four five one with that team because there's no running in it. TK, I did a 
exercise with you last week on here where I just kind of chucked some names at you from the Premier League to see who would improve your midfield. And we did see your standards maybe a bit lower than Klopp. It's <laughs> obviously a key area. You've not added a body there. So now really Klopp has to earn his money at Melwood, doesn't he? Like he needs to tap into something and get the best out of some of these players again. Yeah. it's it, What can you do? You know, if, if say Hendo and Fabinho just don't have it anymore athletically, there's kind of only so much he can do on that front. Do you get another kid from the academy in? It feels like you're pushing it a bit with Bacic already. It feels like they're just throwing him in sort of... Um, Yanazai style at United it's like we're shit throw a kid in see what can happen um, it worked with us yeah I mean look every now and again it's going to work and, and look <laughs> yeah. it kind of it kind of happened with Trent it's kind of, we need a right back you're really good yeah. jobs are good it also happened with John Flanagan it's slightly different yeah. um, <laughs> it can go one or two ways yeah it worked with you Byron but it doesn't they're not playing yeah. in the centre of midfield. Yeah, very difficult. Because he's getting a red card in a big game soon, Bajetic. Yeah. You've got that run coming he's up. He's been a lovely card, but I'll give him that. He's been fantastic <laughs> for that. Yeah. A three to one well, on Sky Bet's been printing money. Blackton, um, there are a number of expiring contracts at Liverpool. I'll run through a few now and you just tell me whether you'd offer them a new one or you'd release them at the end of the deal. Mm-hmm. If you're in charge of Liverpool today, does Adrian get a new deal? Uh Yes, actually, I would. Yeah, you're you're more generous, uh, Milner. Uh, no, I'd like to see. Him I'm go. intrigued to know what Adrian's done that Milner hasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just love Adrian. <laughs> no, I don't. I think that Adrian brings quite a lot to the South American contingent. This is probably quite a long shot, but if you have a look, he's the closest to quite a lot of them, and he's very good for the new players coming through with the different languages. Um, that's the only reason and I think that on the wage structure it doesn't break it so as a third third keeper he's absolutely fine does Ox get a new deal? no I'll be furious (laughs) wow absolutely furious I actually think he's I still believe there's an unbelievable player in him if you told me that you could give him a year not injured I'd say keep him but there's is never going to happen even when he you, you you can't build a squad with a player like that he doesn't stay I think Milner just wanted to go brings a little mix with him as well yeah yeah little mixers but no that's not for me either Naby Keita absolutely not same issue <laughs> <laughs> can't rely on them they're both injury prone we cannot if we look at this now and we offer either of them a new contract especially Naby Keita we offered him one he said no he wants 140 grand a week <laughs> so, uh, it's ridiculous I can't believe it uh, finally um, what about Bobby yes I think he's earned it personally I think that I think he's a great as long as he's happy being a squad player I think that I'd keep him so yeah I'd just keep him and Adrian I'd, I'd like to see the other three um, move on now and really do what you said mate and bring some numbers into the midfield there's some talk of a uh, him being bought in as the Benzema backup next season it wouldn't be a bad buy as long as he's had like, yeah I think he's a brilliant footballer I really do but I yeah I think that we I think he'll go but I'd offer him a new contract and do either of you think you finish in the top four this season no god no I'd be shocked if we got in the top six and at what point, there was a point with us uh, on the final day a couple of seasons back 
where you're essentially choosing between Europe Conference League or nothing. Hmm. Would a season outside of Europe be beneficial for Liverpool? Do we maybe read too much into that sometimes? I'd say that we'd be better off with nothing. If so, if you say Europa League or or nothing, then definitely Europa League. But the Conference League, I think it brings. I don't think it brings in enough financially for the club, and I don't think it leads to the aspirations that the club are looking for. I also don't think you know the injuries shouldn't be as bad next season, and I. Um, we could compete in Europe and the rest. We just need a couple of signings. I also don't... Yes, we're so far off it at the moment, but the only positive we've got is, in my opinion, we're still only two massive signings off it, maybe three. You know, one transfer window. We're not... Yeah, the the, the bat line's still okay. We've got a couple coming through. The goalkeeper's still world-class. The yeah. forwards, they're all right. We just need two midfielders and potentially um, a backup full-back so I'd say that's it. Before I ask you to give me a number of where you finished, uh, TK, does this season not show us that you're never as far away from challenging as you think you are and you're perhaps never as safe at the top as you may think you are? Probably true. Um, but I would say there's a caveat to that. I don't think this would ever happen to Man City, for example. So it's okay. um, I think there's a safety net that that sort of club has that I think Liverpool probably don't um, and and Blackton's right with what he says about you are probably one big window away from being alright again but that relies on having that big window and we don't seem to we seem to kind of just wait for that window to happen and I'm not three midfielders could be 300 million pounds and the club isn't going to spend that um, yeah. and as I've touched on previously that we used to be able to fund it by selling a player here and there who from this current squad are you going to get big money for no one that you will actually want to sell. No. The only one is no, it might go Salah, isn't it, mate? That's the only one that might go. So the pictures. If you see the impact in Mane yeah. going, I wouldn't watch next season. <laughs> <'cause if I'd laughs> oh be... heavens! <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I think that just about does us here a depressing, uh, deadline, <laughs> depressing deadline day for you. Sometimes when the manager says, "No, I wouldn't expect to see anything." They're having you on. Klopp, it seems. He's on he's on honest man. Was entirely serious. So uh we'll move on. Adios. I thought I'd give you an update. Obviously it's come through in the end, so gotta be happy with getting Poro through the door. Uh I know we discussed earlier earlier segment that you know ideally we'd have a few more, but right wing back kind of crucial to our system. Um, and we're definitely coming in next year then. I guess the view to next year will be in Destiny and Poro to hopefully be some good win-backs there. Whether we have a manager who plays with win-backs, that's a, another question. So looks like that's the only move we're going to make, which, I mean, the way it was looking, you've got to be happy with. Um, going out, annoying that Hill is going back to Sevilla on loan, like, pretty pointless signing. Uh, Spence, Spence is a strange one. That he's it seems like Prem closer in for him, but he's opted to go for Ren. So I don't know if he was more guaranteed football there, maybe. Um, but at least he's going and getting some football. Uh, and then Dorothy going the other way. Uh, sorry, going to Mexico, I guess, makes sense because we don't have too many right backs. So uh, overall, pretty average, but hopefully Pyro will start playing soon. 
On to Arsenal then. We're joined by Dan Delaney. Dan, this is not the day I thought it was going to be, but it never is easy with us. Previously, we've brought in the likes of Per Mertesacker, Mikel Arteta, Yossi Benayoun, Kim Kallstrom with his broken back, <laughs> Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and now Jorginho. Um, the news broke last night that we were interested. 24 hours later, how are we feeling about it? Do you know what? I think when when I first heard about it, I was a bit um, I was a bit pissed, to be honest, because uh, it's a very well. I, I don't know. I just it always feels like we're Chelsea's retirement home, <laughs> um, and that's what that's what does my nut in. But uh, I think the caliber of player that we've signed or going to sign imminently. Um, I think I think it's a good signing. Um, really, really, I've had time to think about it. When I first saw the news, I wasn't happy because I wanted Casado, not for the amount yeah. of money um, that we were putting on the table. I don't think he's worth that yet. Um, uh, yeah, but that's um, that's another story. But no, Jorginho, I'm, I'm happy with. I think I think it's a body in there. Um, I, I'm a bit concerned about Sambi Lukonga potentially going alone. I don't know if that's done yet. But. He's done, yeah. Oh. That is medical. We're just waiting for it to be announced. Oh, mate. I'll ask you about that in a minute yeah. because I think that's a whole other question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, I, I think I think Jorginho is a good player um, and I've, I've read a lot of, well, I've heard a lot of interviews today. Jamie Carragher, Jamie O'Hara, um, I think it's Jamie O'Hara. Um, they both said the same thing. He's, he's, he's calm, collected. He's a seasoned professional. He's played at top flight for a long time. Um, and we've signed him on a short-term contract for a little over ten million. So I, I think, all in all, it is a good signing. Um, but yeah, just a bit concerned about the lack of depth in midfield still because Partey, as we all know, is great as yeah. he is this season. He's got glass ankles, so it's it's exciting, but it's also a bit worrying that we still haven't got anyone else in. Um, I would have thought that we would have tried to get two midfielders this window. Um, yeah. One of high caliber um and then one maybe you know up and coming sort of 19 19 year old you know just anyone anyone who's not sambi the conga um but i mean i'm glad to see sambi go out on loan at the same time but with no one other than Jorginho to fill that void if Partey gets out uh gets injured then yeah that's that, that's a concern for sure well, the window started with this pursue Mudrick and mm. right when we thought we had the deal wrapped up, Big Todd told us not a chance, dropped a bag of gold <laughs> on the desk in Donetsk. Um, mm. And now we've only seen a cameo from Mudrick and Trossard. Trossard looked equally, if not more lively against both City and uh, United, actually. Yeah, I agree. That does feel like it's numbed the blow for most of us supporters for the time being. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's settled us down a little bit. We were a little bit stung after what happened with Mudrick, but I mean, credit credit to Chelsea that the, the the owner clearly clearly is is trying to help. Whether he's within the rules, that's another story. But um, yeah, yeah, we lost out on Mudrick, but equally, like you said, we got Trossard. Trossard looks good. We know he's Premier League proven and he can score goals. And again, he's another one of those players that is. He could have five players around him in the penalty box, and he, he still yeah. bet on him getting it in the back of the net or being on target at least. Mudrick, he looked very lively, um, but it wasn't a very long stint. It wasn't a full ninety minutes. The kids, the kids got talent. You can see the way he plays. 
But um, whether it will work in the Premier League, that remains to be seen. He still needs to put the ball in the back of the net. That's what they employed him for. So um, I'm happy with Trossard. I think it's a good signing. 28, it, it balances out the squad a little bit more, gives us that that um, experience. Um, Jorginho as well. Mudrick would have been a, a nice sort of marquee signing, but um, yeah, he's uh, he's dead to me now, mate. There's talk of him getting an FA charge today. I don't know if anyone's seen uh, that. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, That's obviously why we didn't sign him. Yeah, yeah probably, yeah. The class. <laughs> yeah. We we spoke about on here how Chelsea failed to sign Enzo earlier in the window and then pivoted to wrap up Mudrick. And I, I said maybe naively at the time that normal clubs don't have 100 million backup options. <laughs> when you look at our pursuit of Caicedo, either we decided very late that this was something we wanted to do or we always had this in mind but simply didn't put things in action until there was less than a week left. I don't know how you read this now because it's not a great look. Yeah, no, it's it's not. It's not and we have seen it before. Um, we wait till sort of either the last week or the last coming days of any window and we'll, we'll be going after this big marquee signing. We've seen it a couple of times now. And it just hasn't hasn't come off. Um, but I don't know what the strategy is there. It almost seems like we're like the Casado business was was just panic. It was pure panic because no, I mean we were linked with him. I think quite strongly before Partey sort of uh, went off with his injury, and then when it was uh, when he went off and and the reports came out that it could be a serious injury, which thankfully now that it isn't. Um, Almost seems like that's when we stepped it up because it just goes to show that you know losing a player like Thomas Partey and you've got you're looking at Sambi on the bench. I mean, you're stuffed, didn't you? You ain't gonna. He's not the same caliber of player and probably never will be. He's not similar in any way, shape, or form. He's, I think he's a completely different type of midfielder. Um, not only because he's he's a donkey, to be honest, I think he's crap. But um, I just yeah, he hasn't got the physical presence that. No. Thomas Partey has very laboured. Yeah, very laboured. Um, it almost seems like he doesn't care at times. But I mean, he's still relatively young. I mean, Alteta's got a proven track record at improving players, but I just don't see it with Sambi. Um, but I've gone off a tangent there. I've gone off on a. T- That's all right. Eddie obviously deserves some praise for assembling the squad in the way that he has, although I'll always lean to him being more fortunate yeah. and ingenious in terms of how some things have played out. Mm. But in the last few years now, he's tried to pursue 50-plus million deals for Vlahovic, Mudrik, and now Caicedo, mm. and he's not secured any of them. We're told that Declan Rice is the main summer target. Like, Do you have any faith in him being able to get this deal done? No, no, I don't. Um, I, I think Declan Rice would be an excellent signing, but I don't see us getting it done. I mean, maybe if we win the league um, and we win it in style, um, there is... That's that. I mean, that's a that's attractive in itself for any player. But with regards to the actual club and and how we do business and leaving it to the last minute, not giving clubs what they want, um, you know, whether they take the piss on the price or not. I mean, it just seems like we are very very stubborn, but almost too stubborn, and we shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, and then clubs just don't want to do business with us at all, and and that's it. we walk away, we just pussy out. Where yeah. Chelsea, I mean. <laughs> As I've said, I wait for the, for the reports about the investigation to come out. Yeah, but um, yeah. well, we've had two top class quality players twerking for us all the way through this window oh, and come yeah. away with neither of them. Yeah, 
yeah, it's, it's it's a bit embarrassing at points. I mean, as good as we are on the pitch, um, on the phones, clearly we're not as good. Um, and maybe that's something that needs to be addressed. That we need to have a go a more sort of go get attitude um, when it comes down to securing players. But I mean, the football. Yeah, I don't know about you. When we were linked with um, Rafinha last window, yeah. there was it was annoying when we knew that he'd chosen Chelsea over us and ultimately he chooses Barcelona over Chelsea. Yeah. But there was a begrudging thing of like, I can, you could you could understand why they where they had Champions League football, they were going to pay him or all these things. Yeah. So now that we're in the position to be able to do that and then to not get the deals over the line is actually more frustrating than if we were just not in the conversation at all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you just don't know. We're, we're all, all we... All we see and, and read is you know, news reports and, and read articles about us trying to secure players, but you don't actually see what goes on um, in the offices and what Edu's up to. I mean, it would not surprise me if he's quite laboured in his approach and he's a bit arrogant because <laughs> yeah. he comes because he comes across he, does, he comes yeah. across quite arrogant. Um, I don't know whether that's just me, but. I, I I just don't know. No one knows, mate. No one knows. I mean, maybe the details of 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 um, our negotiations will come out in in days to come for Casado and um, Mudrick. Yeah, there could be there could be. I mean, I know I know it's a hard thing to do is to get a player over the line. There's so many different variables there, and so many different complications that can crop up. But it seems to be just a common theme with us at the moment that we yeah. don't offer what we are asked to and therefore we lose out every time and yeah it's getting there's only so many times that your second option is going to be as successful as it has been for us like when you're at this stage of the squad building then this is where you need your number one targets Liverpool got to a stage where they needed to go and get Van Dijk and Allison, mm. and when they couldn't get Van Dijk and Allison, when if they couldn't get them for that price they up the price because these are the guys we need and mm. I don't know if we're quite there yet but it's the similar kind of uh, idea, I would say. Um, TK, I think that Brighton dealt with this about as well as they could have in terms of how they come out of this looking with the Caicedo deal. There was a big thing with them, I think, where they were worried about how they would come across and whether they would look like pushovers and all of these things, especially when Caicedo puts in the transfer request, which ultimately I think makes it harder for them to let him leave. Did you ever think there was that kind of reputation for them before because anytime we've gone in for one of their players I've always kind of held them up as a firm but fair negotiator so I don't really know what they were trying to protect No I mean not so long ago it was being what was it was it rumoured or even actually happened that they wouldn't let Lewis Dunkley for like less than 50 you know, if you're pricing Lewis Dunk at 50 million pounds you are a hard negotiating club Um yeah. So yeah, you you are right. They've protected that image, haven't they? I think clubs will definitely think twice before trying to nick a player off them. It, even ironically, letting Trossard goes to you also shows some strength as well, though, because they go, "Well, look, we're not just going to cling on to someone who we think is a good player if he wants to go, and we're happy for him to go. We'll let him leave if we want him to stay. We'll make them stay with Caicedo." So yeah, they could have let much stronger than they have to be honest. City let Zinchenko go on the basis that they just feel felt that they could wrap up a deal for Cucurella fairly easily. They then go into that negotiation and, I mean, they end up walking away from it and saying, no, you're asking for too much mm. or this is too difficult. They weren't wrong. When they just didn't anticipate it being that way. Yeah, I thought with the Ben White one, it seemed fair. 
there was the one it's always good when you hear that the parties are getting around the table to discuss it and that happened there the deal gets done um for the price that they're after which 50 million now looks uh, a good deal at the time i know that it, it was laughed at the whole thing here with you know arsenal can't come in and they can't bully brighton and this and that that's how this league works. I know people don't want to hear that. Your Arsenal's, your Chelsea's, your Man City's, your Liverpool's. The most successful teams all of these have had have been made from picking away at the other sides. And they've been well embursed for it. The news today that Arsenal worried about offending Brighton if they went in with a third deal. They're offering about £80 million <laughs> for a guy with 26 Premier League appearances. <laughs> I wish they'd have some more derisory offers for our players. Edu got £3 million for experienced Burned Leno. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dan we also brought in Trossard as I said and um, Jacob Kivio mm. if we'd been told at the start of January that we'd miss out on Mudrick but we'd strength- strengthen in three of our weakest areas would we have taken it or am I just trying to convince myself here Good question. So Mikel Arteta always talks about how difficult windows can be, especially January, but also uh, um, they we just don't talk about players that aren't ours. You know, until they put pen to paper, we don't talk about it, um, which, I, which I respect, and I think that's the right thing to do. Other clubs don't do that sometimes. They'll talk about a player that they're interested in, there's news reports, but yeah. it doesn't happen. It never comes to fruition. Um, and that is, that's probably more embarrassing when that kind of stuff happens. But I don't know. I think, I think we wouldn't have predicted the window to have gone how it has, but I think ultimately we can be somewhat um, happy with the people that we have got in. I mean, I don't know too much about this, this uh, QBR guy, but they all talk about him um, and, and say that he is you know, a big prospect for the future. Yeah. What is he, 22, six foot two, um, the boy can tackle. I know that um, I've seen seen a lot of compilations, but um, I think the pl- I think the caliber of players that we have got in, we can be happy with. I don't think we predicted it to go the way it did, but yeah, I don't think we can we can complain too much because at the end of the day, we have got more bodies in, we have got backups, we have got potentially f- um, first team players like Trossard. I think he has a strong. Um, strong chance of of you know, reaching reaching first team should Martinelli um, you know, stop performing well. You just yeah, you just don't know. Martinelli played a lot better even just in the short time he came on against City, and I've got to think it's because of almost being offended that someone else yeah. is coming here to try and take my spot. But that's needed, and and I'll tell you, exactly. always talks about I want competition for places. I don't want someone getting lazy um, and and complacent just because they're the only person in that. In you know in that um in that position, so I'm I'm excited by the Trossard signing. I think that's an excellent signing. Um, like I said, Premier League proven. It, it bag you probably uh, like eight to eight to twelve goals a season that we did at Brighton. He may not do that at Arsenal. You don't know. It's a it's a hard one to call. But ultimately, I'm happy with how the window's gone. Whether Edu is, I you know, I don't I don't know. But it's done now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, on um, Jorginho, we're still waiting for the official confirmation, but we've seen him in the shirt, we've seen him doing his media interviews and all of this stuff. Um, the profiles of him and Caicedo are so different that this looks rash on face value. Yeah. If we just consider him as an Alneni replacement, does that feel any better to you? 
<laughs> I well, I I oh, I don't know. There's there's different ways you can look at it. Like I said, the the guy is is Premier League proven, season veteran, has won multiple titles with Chelsea. He's a very different player to what we were originally going for. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it's a bad person to be no. in the dressing room or on the bench or even in the starting lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. I, I just think I'm a bit sad about El Nenny because he's a fan favourite. You know, regardless of whether he yeah. he's in the lineup every week or not, it doesn't really matter. I think he always comes across well. He always gives it his all. And he's meant to be a really good personality in the changing room. So yeah. it's sad. We're all sad for him. Um, but I'm glad we've got a body in to, to fill that void. Um, yeah. I've been charmed by Jorginho. Something something has come over me. Uh, I think the terms of the deal, 10 million, 18 months, it's not like a, a William five-year deal on like Mate. 200 whatever grand a week. It, it feels a <laughs> bit more sensible. It does. Um I, I, if he's if he's just picking up Europa League minutes, if he's just kind of coming in for an injury, I think something has clicked with Arteta that even if we'd got Caicedo, there isn't anyone else that we can actually bring in at this stage to do Thomas Partey's role. No. Like it is going to require a, a slight rejig of the yeah. Um, formation. Yeah, and so maybe this is to just add another layer of technicality. I don't want to see Xhaka and Jorginho together in like a double pivot or anything like that. No, not at all. But it's, as you say, it's not Lukonga. It would have been an upgrade on Alneni. We'll see how it goes. Europa League, TK, you spoke about the size of him earlier. The thought of a Jorginho, Smith Rowe, Fabio Vieira, Europa League midfield is sounding quite spooky to me, but <laughs> I don't know who we're going to draw yet. If you want out of the competition, sounds a good way to go. <laughs> who, who takes penalties now? That's a good question. Um, Saka's not missed one for us. He hasn't, and I think it should stay with Touch Saka. Um, Jorginho's got a great record for Chelsea, but he's at Arsenal now. So, uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's the golden child up up front all day long. And then last one on Lukonga. Strange one here. We bring in Jorginho because we're light on bodies in midfield. And then we send him out, which leaves us equally short as we were a week ago. I don't know if maybe he forced this. I know he, the whole thing of clapping the fans, I think if you're going to go over there and everyone's been shouting for the shit all game, probably I don't think you have to go over and clap them. I thought that was an overreaction from Friday, but maybe he forced this, maybe he saw someone coming in and thought his minutes were going to be limited, but seeing him as an eight is far different to him playing in party's role. I think he could have had decent minutes for us in the Europa League, mm. but now we're back because it's not just an injury to party party. And look, and Erdegaard are the most crucial, but an injury to Xhaka and suddenly things are looking a lot different because Jorginho yeah. can't be attacking the space like Xhaka does with his powerful runs. We've just got to be very fortunate and hope we can be fortunate um, for the rest of the season. Mm. Last question for you, TK. If I showed you this window now at, at the end of uh, January, would you say this has pushed us Closer to the title, we've maintained the position or it's pushed us further away from the title. Where would you kind of grade it in those three options? Indifferent, but probably just slightly positive, I would say. I, I really like the Trossard signing. 
as we've touched on here, quite surprised that the underwhelmed reaction to it. I think he's a really good player. Um, and then, I, I mean, it's been admirable listening to you boys talk yourselves into the Jorginho one. Um, <laughs> what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. You've done a good job. You No, no, you didn't. I was about to say you nearly convinced me. You haven't convinced me. But um, yeah, he's he's a body, as you said, but you've got rid of Lekonga. So it's on that it's if he's a body you should have I think you should have kept him around as well so um, yeah you are going to have to ride your luck that party doesn't get injured still because I think Jorginho bring him on here and there you're going to have a lot more of the ball you're a lot more attacking creative than Chelsea are so I don't think you're going to have the problems that you can sometimes have with Jorginho but it's if you have him on and you're chasing the game I think he is going to slow you down in a way that your current midfield doesn't and I think that's going to be problematic um and i do despise the bloke a little bit so <laughs> yeah these things change mm, yeah yeah you can grow fond of someone can't you i was questioning earlier if you would start in your midfield after all of this said it <laughs> all that said about it and i do think he would um <laughs> oh god we should do a race between him and fabinho at the minute i mean a race between him and Arnie would be interesting. He is now the oldest member of our squad, by the way. In the last couple of minutes, Cedric has been loaned out to Fulham on a straight loan. Um, finally, he's stopped quarrelling about his wages, which some nerve on the bloke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we've got that over the line. So the oldest member of the squad, Jorginho. We'll see how we go. Uh. And uh, we'll move on. We've got Newcastle, a Newcastle fan to speak to. So uh, thanks, as always, for coming on, Dan. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure, pleasure. We are now joined by Harry to talk all things Newcastle. Harry, the last few windows for Newcastle seem to be about improving the start at 11. Natural order kind of takes place and eventually Howe's vision, I guess, will be complete. You had Trippier and Bruno in the winter of 21-22, Botman, Isaac and Pope in the summer of 22, and now we're in the winter window and you're starting to reach the point where the holes aren't as glaringly obvious. The team doesn't pick itself. Things are rounding out nicely. And in this window, the singular big addition has been Anthony Gordon. Now, with the lack of availability for St. Maximin and Joe Linton being forced back into the attacking areas that initially had him labelled as a flop, was a wide man the obvious area that Newcastle had to address? Yeah, certainly one of them. Um, Joe Linton is he's nowhere near as effective out on the wing. Um but I think he's one of the best centre mids in the league. So almost being able to move him back into the centre mid is like a new sign in itself. And uh, well, I know there's been some questions, but I'm a fan of Anthony Gordon. So The Joe Linton thing kind of works in a game when you're up against it. So the game against Arsenal at the Emirates, you essentially moved him into a left midfield role to just sit in front of Dan Byrne and then had Joe Willock tucked across just to wrap up Saka between three people. And he did more defending than Dan Byrne did that night. So it works in that regard. But in terms of pushing things forward, what was it? You've had a couple of draws in your last games. I don't think Howe wants to fall over the line in wherever you do end up finishing. So I guess it's a point of kind of, uh, well, I guess pushing on. Um, I don't know how he views St. Maximin. There's always been questions about that. For, for me, I'm I'm in the camp again, St. Maximin back in the starting eleven. Uh I agree. Joe Linton obviously has his perks out on the wing. Him and Willock 
seem to have quite a good partnership and the two of them are interchangeable um, almost. You find it sometimes that Joe Willock seems to be the wide man. Um, and <laughs> it's hard to change a formula that's working. I mean, my fourth in the league is obviously going well for us, but I think we had a period recently where we scored, was it one goal in four games, which for a team that's battling for top four is not good enough, essentially, um, for all the defensive perks we've had. We seem a bit like we've been found out. I mean, Trippi and Armoron have been a great partnership down the right. But when that's your only real outlet for goals, it doesn't take too long for teams to wear that out. And it seems that teams are starting to respect us a little bit more. So they're doubling up down that side and we're not having a success. So you see the last few games when St. Maximin's come on, it's been a complete game changer. And I think that's what the hope is with Gordon. You're going to get a bit of both. I understand his numbers... Aren't, aren't the best, but you see the videos in press and high, he's great off the ball, and he's only 21. I think he's got the potential. He's been playing in an awful Everton team. I think how can get him to be a sort of happy medium between what St. Maxman is and what Jolinton offers down that left-hand side. Well, I guess that's the thing. Like, we don't know what the expectation is for him internally, because 45 million is a lot of cash. Um, is it as simple as Joelinton replaces Longstaff or Willock in the middle and then Gordon takes that space in the front line or is he behind Sir Maximin in the rotation? Um, whatever it is, it's not immediate. I mean, how has shown that... I mean, look at look at Bruno. Uh, Bruno took however many games it was to, to start. He was getting a few five and ten minute cameos here and there. Um, Botman was in a little bit more immediately. But... Um, I think yeah, that was more, didn't yeah, and I think a lot of that was also if you look at what we already had, and not up to speed. Botman was significantly better than the options we had already. We do have options out wide in Jolinton, St. Maxman. I I also question whether he actually is intended to go down the left hand side, or whether it's so him and Armron are essentially a like for like swap because their play is quite similar in the sense of what they do off the ball. So I question whether the plan is even for him to go on the left. Well, I've said on here for the last two seasons that any team where Jacob Murphy is getting Premier League minutes cannot be respected. <laughs> and so, I mean, the, the cheek of him with that little wave against uh, uh, was it Chalasakari was doing it too? Yeah, agreed. But I will say he he's he hasn't been as bad this season as he as he has previously been. But I'll tell you what I do think, though, what would be interesting is... Uh, if Jolinton comes back into midfield because Gordon gets a regular place or St. Maxman regains his regular place, I actually don't think Longstaff is the man who gets dropped. I think Willett would get dropped. I think Howe likes Sean Longstaff a lot and I think he likes what he does off the ball. does a lot of that dirty work that doesn't necessarily get praised and I don't think he would be the first person to go from that midfield. I think I mentioned that I asked this on a previous podcast, TK, I spoke to Harry because Newcastle, one of their transfer targets for this window that they weren't able to get over the line was Scott McTominay. Who do you think's better out of McTominay and Longstaff? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a toss-up, which kind of may, does make you wonder why Newcastle are after McTominay, if that's the case. And why yeah, it doesn't make any sense not. to me. I find it odd. Unless it's purely for depth. A key member of his midfield, supposedly. Mm. Yeah, that's the bit I don't get. If it was for depth... I could understand it a bit more because they have, regardless of who you think's better, 
they've got some similar qualities and they both do some of the work that doesn't necessarily get the praise. You know, it's not the goals, maybe it's not the assist, but it's the pressing off the ball, it's the throwing your weight around a little bit. So I could see why you might want him as a swap for him. But, I mean, who do you drop for McTominay? I don't see any of those midfielders that you drop for McTominay. Because even if he is better, it's ever so slightly better. And it's not going to replace the chemistry that these three midfielders have together at the moment. They've just paraded Gordon on the pitch. He looks like he's sorted his hair out a little bit. Golden boy. Not not as Claire Boulding-ish. Um, anyhow, lost two members of his squad that he'd probably have preferred to keep as depth. Um, Chris Wood and John Joe Shelby have both joined Nottingham Forest. If we start with Shelby, his contract expires in June and he needed two more appearances to trigger an extra year. Do we think this is a case of the project moving past John Joe and you're just taking the short-term hit to clear space in the squad? Yeah, I don't think we wanted to give him that contract extension because as much as I actually think he's good enough for this, for this season to, to fill in, excuse me, uh, to fill in as some extra cover. He's too injury prone and I don't think we want to do that for another year. He's too slow for the style of football that we're playing this season. It doesn't work anymore. He's been a great player for the club. I like John Joe Shelby, but it's time It's time for him to go. We play too energetically for him to be in there. This is like trying to put this Shelby into the Liverpool team of a few years ago that was renowned for pressing high. It doesn't work. He's not got the legs for that. Or, or like Jorginho into an Arsenal crowd. team or something like that. Hey. Just like hey. He's come back to sit in the crowd today, uh, Shelby. Lots yeah, that, that's why us. people love him. I think people are happy. I would be happy to see him go and play first-team football or regular football somewhere else. So We know that Newcastle had an eye on the market today, but Chelsea wouldn't sanction any deals across the Tyneside, which is actually a compliment to where they are this season. Um, have Newcastle left themselves short here, do we think? Because like... I don't know if Elliot Anderson can come in and play games. Like So far, he's only been trusted with six minutes in central midfield in the Premier League. Otherwise, he's been sent onto the flanks. He played 85 minutes against Tranmere in the Cup in centre mid. But it seems he's... Not that he's not capable, but he's not trusted against higher opposition. Um, so are Newcastle going to be short here for the rest of the season? Because that is a thin squad. I know there's no Europe, but one injury and it, it, it could be looking rough. I See, I've back and forth a little bit. Um, on the one hand, yeah, I do think we are a little bit thin in midfield, but also with uh, with how far ahead I think we are of where we thought we would be, I think that's just an unfortunate reality of the situation. Um, I do think if push come to shirt, I think that our main concern is if Bruno was to receive an injury. I think that's the biggest concern. And I think hypothetically, I do think Longstaff could do a job there, not to the same level, but I think we could move him from the eight to the six and it could work. Or if things got... you've got four midfielders. Yeah, I think we do. For the yeah. whole season now, across three positions. Yeah, I just think we could tweak the system. Well, I actually think push come to shove. Shaw uh, um, has played a sort of centre defensive midfielder role for us before and for Switzerland. I think if things are really that dire, you can move him there, but bring Target back in when he's not injured. Or I think you can tweak to a four-two-three-one formation as opposed to a four-three-three play. I think there's there are ways around it, but yeah, there's no denying it. We are we are a thin squad. Last couple of questions then. So letting Chris Wood go feels like a big gamble on two guys who've shown themselves not to be too reliable for long periods so far. Yeah, but um, have you seen the deal we're getting for him? Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's hard I mean, to say no to that because. 
he doesn't have a future there. And I think our, our problem is if we were to say have injuries in every, if we had defensive midfield and attacking injuries altogether, we would be having a problem. But enough of our players can play in multiple positions that I think we can cover short term. You know, push comes to shove. Gordon could play as a striker. Wouldn't be would be the best, but Saint. I Max said to you, I thought that was what he was being brought in as. I I think he we like him because of what he does off the ball, his pace, and the fact that he can play many positions. I mean, push comes to shove, Jolinton could go up top, and that's not what I want. But we we have options. So I think as long as it's only one area at a time that's hit with an injury, I do think we have players that can move around position and keep us covered for the, the rest of this season because I think we may be going big next summer yeah that's, that's where Newcastle are at at this point as well isn't it it's not they're far from the finished article so you're going to have probably a thin squad at this point it's slow it's kind of building it steadily isn't it well that's it yeah, these gaps Richie was still there <laughs> but that's it these gaps don't mean it's been a bad transfer window or bad business done so far it just means we haven't had enough windows to cover up the issues we had we had well, I mean let, let's not forget we had no wins up until about Christmas last year mm. we were sat rock bottom of the league you're not going to have covered every single thing in that year it's not possible it, well <laughs> Chelsea might let's play do Chelsea, it, but, yeah. but it's yeah. it's not really feasible and the thing is as much, sometimes you look at what Chelsea do and I think I would love to see Newcastle throwing their weight around like this but you look we seem to be building sustainability and there seems to be a clear long-term vision. And if going forward, this is how we're going to do things that we have big summers. And then in January, we maybe get a few, a few younger players like we have for that uh, Koala, however you say his name and Ashby. I've got no qualms with that. You're still waiting for that spon- those sponsorship deals to come through that City have kind of ruined the system for you. Uh, yeah. They were a bit too brazen with it. Well, that's it. So it's suggested that next season is when we can throw our weight around a bit more because that's when we get new sponsorship. There's talk about renaming the stadium. Um, it's meant to be when we have a lot more um, spending power because, well, to put it into perspective, uh, our Fun 8 sponsor on the front of the shirt gets us about $4 million a year it is. And that noon sponsor on a sleeve, which is Saudi, gives us twelve million a year. So you could I saw someone say that you can sign four and a half botmans currently with how financial fair play is in the summer. Yeah, I said something like that. And I, I think in the summer we will, we will be going bigger, and I think we'll have new sponsorship, which you never know quite know how true it is. But what I'm reading, you can expect an extra thirty million a year from the from the shirt sponsorship we'll be having next year, which is obviously going to be something like Saudi Gold for. Yeah, something from Saudi. You you also because I'll let you get to the Newcastle game. You also signed Harrison Ashby at right back for three million. West Ham fans tell me he's a good player. The Athletics say he's a great trippier backup stylistically, but I've not seen enough of him. Uh, if I'm honest, I haven't seen a lot of him. The the little I have seen of him, I can see the trippier comparisons. They're a similar type of player in that they like to get forwards, and I've seen it. Seen it one of the free kicks he took, which. He's obviously scored from it. Um, he said he's been working on set pieces since COVID, apparently. He said he had nothing to do but get down to his 3G pitch and take free kicks. And uh, well, it's, it's about three million, I think it is. So if it's a player for the future, happy days. If not, hopefully English tax means we can get a little bit more than three million back for him. So I don't Your see it as too much don't like getting forward. I, I saw him at the Emirates. Yeah, yeah. Trippier is statistically the best right back in the league. He's created the most yeah. chances in the league. 
and our left back who's got goal and Dan Byrne six for nine he can't be blamed for not getting forward all the time <laughs> you, um, you will not convince me Dan Byrne's a good player um, well I, I tell you, I'm glad you said that actually because everyone goes on about Newcastle having conceded 11 goals this season Whilst Dan because they don't Byrne, move off their edge of their box. Well, whilst Dan Byrne, Shaw, Botman, and Trippier have all been on the pitch, only five goals have been conceded. The rest of them have been well, mean, one of them been off the pitch. Dan Byrne just stands diagonally across the goal, <laughs> covering I mean, it, most of it. I mean, it helps that he's got the the next Virgil Van Dijk next to him, who's still yet well, to lose yeah. a Premier League goal, uh, Premier League game. I add. Yeah, we do have these stats uh, for Van Dijk and but TK, I'll tell you, all of a sudden, things can turn. It's a pretty good run. Ride the, pretty good run. ride the wave while it's there. <laughs> Botman probably isn't getting the props he deserves in fairness. He has been pretty immense for Newcastle since he joined. Yes, he, he, he's I'm, been very good. I'm going to say this. You're going to think it's just, because I'm saying it, he's probably unfortunate that Saliba's there because people are saying, you've got this good young centre-back in, as we know. Things only usually stretch so far. Well, that's extended to your own players, isn't it? Like you said, Gabriel's probably yeah, been just Gabriel's as good and he's not getting any attention. So. so, last question. Do Newcastle sustain this top four push? Is it too soon for them to get top four? <laughs> if, if I use your words, I think we sustain the push um, whether we get top four. It's tough. I mean, we, we're just hard to beat, and that's that's it at the moment. I I think our issue might be scoring goals. We've drawn. I think it might be the most in the league, or certainly one of them. But we're just hard to beat. If we if we can start scoring a few more goals, then I'd be a bit more confident. But we're not putting enough away at the moment. We're just fortunate that our defence is as we good as it is. We want a prediction. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I'm back in the boys. Nice. All right. Yeah. Just so you know, you're supposed to jinx it there. Um, <laughs> bad move from you. But much appreciated. We'll let you get to the Newcastle game. They're only 3 0 down at the moment. Um, so I'm not sure Shah's Char, not there that many in his career yet. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Yeah, obviously, had the Sabitza news um, confirmed now. Extremely happy with that one, to be honest. Um, as soon as the Ericsson news broke, I was a bit worried, if I'm not going to lie. Um, we're not the best at getting deals done quickly, um, but it's nice to see the club has acted very quickly, um, managed to identify a target and get it done, really. Um, I think he's a good profile for what we've got already, replacing Ericsson. bit of a mixture between Ericsson and Fred in terms of his creativity and and his pressing, so I think it's a very good sign, if I'm honest. Connor, our last caller of the day. I'd like to say we were working down the Premier League table, but it hasn't quite worked <laughs> like that. We did have an Everton fan on first, actually. So, well, He's probably got board members to kidnap. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe more positive than you, maybe. I've not uh, heard what you have to say yet, but a couple of wins under your belt since the last time we spoke. You won the relegation six-pointer against Franks Everton. Got that man sacked, so I hope you feel good about yourself. Job done. Uh, two bits of business done in January. One is Luis Ao, who I believe is going straight to the youth setup. Yeah. The other is Danny Ings. Um, 
And if we, if we <laughs> ignore his current situation, but you can't, before, you can't ignore it. It's 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 typical. Like I've, I've said, <laughs> I think every time I've come on on deadline day, I've said it's typical West Ham, and it is typical West Ham for having him out for several weeks. He he got injured during the game, and was like, mm, no, I won't pull him off because I've already subbed him on. So uh, that's that's just horrible. Hoping to sign an on bonus. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the deal at twelve million? So I I was getting a lot of stick from people for saying it 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 seems like a solid sign in. Ignore the injury, but you know if, if we're after someone to I originally thought contest for that striker spot so that we get better improvement of of performances out of Skamaka and Antonio when Skamaka's back, but. On the flip side of that, all it seemed to do is have Antonio go onto his BBC podcast and go, well, if I ain't going to play, I'll just leave. And <laughs> I, I find that baffling for a man who scored, what, like four or five goals in his last 40 games. It's some front, isn't it? It's it, the, like the bloke plays like he's running in treacle and he's got the audacity to say that. Um, I do think he's a good sign. I think he's probably one of the better, well, statistically, probably the better striker at Villa out of him and Ollie Watkins. Um I and I, I yeah, I I don't mind the signing. I think it's it's a good appointment. I think that's a fairly low fee considering what some clubs are splashing out nowadays. Um although that could get you a a a world class midfielder from another London club. But <laughs> uh it could do. I mean maybe if uh you'd been a bit more inquisitive first, you could have picked up a Euro 2020 winner. Um, <laughs> a Ballon d'Or nominee. Ballon d'Or oh, yeah. podium. Was he Was he not also UEFA midfielder of the season? If you, oh, We can veer away from West Ham and just talk <laughs> Jorginho if, if, if you want to. I think I'd have a better night that way. Um, with what you said about Antonio, did he kind of laugh as he was saying this on his podcast or did he like... Yeah, he... he He's. I don't know if you've ever watched him in interviews, but he it he should be banned from media because he he's just not very good at speaking. So I don't know why they've put him on a podcast, uh, or he's put himself on a podcast rather. Um, but I just can't see. You know, the guys come out and said, "Yeah, I've had eight, nine great years here, um, but if it's time, it's time." And like you, you just can't say that. You know, you you've had a good three years now where you've been the only option up front. So that's why you've been there. One slight bit of bit of competition, and it's almost like he's bottling it. Having said that, he did play well yesterday. Um, that touch that he that he did to, in the second half is getting replayed over and over again. Um, the Antonio of old is not back. He's just had a fluky touch. Um, well, I mean, one of the questions I had down was how do you keep all three guys happy? And I guess you've answered the question. You win three tournaments, Luke. They're all going to have to play. But I can't see the Premier League coming home. So, Well, David Moyes doesn't like playing two up top, you know, and I don't know why, but he's always just favoured that one man up front to whip balls into and still still favoured Antonio over the six foot five Skamaka, but that's that's another point. Um, you have got to keep them all happy. I still don't understand how Ariola is happy watching Fabianski have howlers week in, week out. You rejected loan bids for him in this window exactly. as well. Exactly. Well, I, I think he is... 
I hate the term, but one for the future. He's he's the one that's going to stay there and and come into the first team. Um, not that we've got a choice because we've let Randolph go. Um, yeah, a man who was supposed to be on the podcast at one stage. Mm. Damn shame. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I'd have loved that. So would I. I'll ask him more questions about his relationship with Alexandra Burkis. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone who I don't think we've spoken. I don't think anyone has. Don't think spoken anyone about has spoken about before. her. <laughs> no, we have. Yeah, what we have. Phrase. What was the phrase she claimed that she? Oh, elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> I remember telling TK the story, and he was like, "What?" I was like, "No, honestly, I showed him the clip. <laughs> it's just the top level cringe, isn't it?" <laughs> My God, he's twenty nine. That's um, that's Theo Walcott, Jesse Lingard levels of one for the future. <laughs> Goalkeepers have a have an ex- a longer expected life plan. I'd, yeah, yeah. With with um, you've got to think, and we hear so much the cliche that so much of football is about confidence. Can't be good for his confidence that another striker has been brought in six months after he's come through the door. No, I get that. I think it's been done as a backup, though. You know, we are still in two other tournaments aside from the league. Um, Skamaka is injured at the moment. It's not a huge fee. It's not a long contract, really, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at what some other clubs are doing. Um, I don't know whether it'll affect his confidence because he doesn't seem to lack confidence when he's on the pitch. You know, he, he'll have a pot from anywhere. And it's it's... Just that cover, being through three different competitions, how long we stay in the FA Cup, I don't know, with pulling United away out of the bag. Couldn't have seen that come in. Um, Do you see that stat today about their run in the FA Cup? No. Let me, it is mental. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's horrific, I'm probably not going to be surprised. They've they've been drawn at home. Uh, Where's the... Well, I've liked a lot of tweets about Jorginho today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to annoy me if I can't see it. It was some, It was like they've been drawn. What was it like? Their last eleven cup ties at home, or something like that. Jesus Christ! Whoever's picking those out has just got their ball up their sleeve. I'm still convinced that's how we drew City in the cup. They had kept their hand in that. Uh, in a, they're handing with the balls for far too long. I realise that. Yeah, <laughs> the conspiracy is rife. Get Letizia on. I'm sure he'll prove it. Another yeah, man yeah, that's supposed not. to come on the pod. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not finding it. But yeah, it was. It was. It's uh, the ninth consecutive one that it says that. So it's been three years since they've had an away cup. Yeah. So. That is vile. There was another stat about them playing Reading or Derby like once a the year. The Reading one is outrageous, yeah. But the way the... Uh, it was like Andy Mitten did it because the way he wrote it was essentially like from the perspective that, oh, well, we're a bit hard done by. We haven't had a way day in all this time. It's like, whoa, 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 mate. That's not <laughs> yeah. the issue here. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh... Man United have been drawn at home for the ninth consecutive time in domestic cup competition. Uh... MUFC fans haven't attended a domestic away cup tie for three years at Derby. Violin is playing. Has any sports team ever been drawn at home nine times in succession like Manchester United? I'm told the odds of it happening are 511 to 1. And if it was Derby County that got through again, 
That would mean United have played Derby or Reading 14 times in cup matches in 16 years. What? Now that is mental. <laughs> Mainly for the part of how Derby and Reading just <laughs> always in there as well. Incredible. Because everyone, maybe not Connor and not me for a while, he used to have the same teams you'd get every year in the Champions League. We used to have Olympiacos every single time. And uh, yes, that's their equivalent. But back to West Ham, far away from the Champions League. <laughs> Ouch. Your man Craig Dawson departed to Wolves for £3.75 million and you didn't bring in a replacement. Have you got enough or is that a concern? Um, profit, for one thing, by the way. Tripled his value. Um, I, I, get why, <laughs> I get why he's left, obviously. It came up in, in the summer, didn't it? The, the bloke's living in Rochdale. <laughs> Fair play. What a bloke. Um yeah, but now he's moved to the business. <laughs> yeah, but it's easier to get to, isn't it? Rather than East London. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think it will hurt us in the long run if we do stay in competitions. Uh, I want to go on record here and say, Nay for Gerd, what a player! I saw him described as classy last the, night. He's a Rolls Royce. Oof, ben White. <laughs> ben White has Nay for Gerd pajamas. <laughs> Um, I'm glad you said you're going on record because earlier uh, we did one with Blackton where he said, don't quote me. And it's like, we are on a podcast. So <laughs> we'll be quoted, sir. I can confirm. He he just messaged me saying, uh, where is it? Enjoy catching up. All very doom and gloom from me and TK. It, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't great from us. Can't imagine why. Yeah, then you both tried dragging me down. <laughs> That's what we've got at this point. It's just toxic. I think, I, I mean, in terms of have have we got enough? I think we do. I think we've got options there. I don't think Zoom is meant to be out for too much longer. So that does give us a, a few more players. It depends what formation Moyes decides to go with. I think he's nailed on that that five at the back against, I know it's against Derby, still a good side, not Premier League side. But that's when we've seen to played our best football. I think the investment needs to come in some wing backs maybe. Um, I've been going on, I think I said about it on the last podcast, about how good Ben Johnson is. Um, nice of him to completely not show that last night and show me up big time. I think selling Harrison Ashby to, to Newcastle is an odd move, but that again goes down to David Moyes' lack of trust in younger players. Um, yeah, I think his wing-backs and getting Flynn Downs on that pitch is is the thing we need to focus it's still a it's still a much healthier January transfer window than we had last year when I was just sat in silence with notifications on my phone getting nothing. <laughs> well, you've you've got one goal, two assists for Paqueta so far this season. Should we be expecting a big second half of the season for him? I think I think we should. I said last time, didn't I, that he he need he does need that time to adapt to it. We've now seen Moyes wants to play him deeper because he's taken Suchek off. Which, yeah, fair point. I think it was actually Enia Luko last night on the commentary. Oh, I know, bear with me. Um, she did make a fairly good point about playing Suchek in the right position. Because we went through a couple of seasons where sort of Rice and Suchek were alternating and Suchek was getting high up. He scored like nine goals or something like that. Um, and then the next season, Moyes sort of switched it and said, all right, well, Deck, you push up the field and we'll have Suchek at the back mopping up. And he's... He's just not as good at that as the best in the world, Declan Rice. Um, so 
having him a bit further up the pitch might make sense. I don't think Paqueta should be that deep with the flair and the and the creativity he's got. I think he should be further up. Um, I just worry that David Moyes won't want to play Flynn Downs next to Rice because maybe he sees him as that replacement when he does go, unfortunately, to another club. He, that, let's address that uh, elephant in the room. <laughs> um, Seamless. Mr. Basmati is being linked with a move to the arse in the summer. Have you... I mean, I think going into this summer, you at least had the hope that he was going to stay. Is is that just completely yeah, gone? Yeah, I mean, this summer? you know, people say, oh, you've got to expect him to leave. I've expected him to... Like, if he, if he would have left, I don't think he's the type of player that would leave in January. No, um, I think, is, I think each, the fact we didn't try. Oh, that must be it, Luke. Shows you. Spot on there. What, I think if you look at what we were doing with Caicedo, if, if Rice is your number one target and you don't try and bring it forward, that tells me that he's told you I'm, there's yeah, not a chance. Yeah, fair comment that. Um, but I think, and again, I keep saying, I said it on the last podcast, but every transfer window we get to the end of and we haven't sold Rice is always a bonus because I do think he is... You know, I'm very realistic about it. He's leagues, he leagues above how we're performing at the moment, especially better than Kante. Way better than Kante. I agree. Um, and then I'd also like to just quickly throw it back to the first deadline day podcast I came on, um, when I said Declan Rice is the best in the league at what he does, and everyone laughed. Uh, but you're not laughing now. It's- <laughs> now we've got Farage I very, I very nearly said as a great man once said but that would be completely horrible information and incorrect um, it's fine because you praised any Aluko at the top of this so it's, uh, it's very much I'm just that controversial um, yeah I think you know we, we have got to be expecting him to go any window really it's just the closer we get realistically it's the less we'll get for him um, you know 80 million I do want it well, I think you'd still want that three-figure because there's no way I'm having Jack Grealish being worth more than Declan Rice. I think he had about four years left in his deal, though. To be there's, a ca- there's a cast tax there as well, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's certainly going to be closer to that 100 mark, but you're right, I think between 80 and 100 and we'll, we'll be forced to play it because he'll only have a year left and he'll fuck off for free, so... I was, Why are I was you... Um, to- queuing up for this heartbreak by the way Luke I don't understand yeah. you, I don't, I, there is I no sure about this is you've been cheated on by the same guy a couple of times and you thought well maybe this one will be different <laughs> oh no Chelsea are going to get this guy again I was I was speaking to Steve um, obviously now our West Ham fans feel about Rice and I messaged him after the news kind of broke that he was the guy we want and I said would you rather he went to Arsenal or Chelsea and I realised such what I was a asking, horrible I was question like, I said, no, that's, yeah, you don't need to answer that. <laughs> I'm just trying to make myself feel better. Um, <laughs> he didn't really give me an answer. It so. depends who's asking me, because whoever asked me, I'd say the other club. <laughs> well, I'll get you on here when half is on then. <laughs> I'd rather we went to Milan or something. <laughs> if you want money, go into an Italian club. <laughs> it's definitely the wrong way to go about it. Um, last question. Your very much a pessimist I think it's become clear <laughs> when it comes to West Ham do you see yourself staying up because um, all the other teams around you have really gone for it this window yeah I mean we never spend huge amounts in a January I mean 
the last oh, the la- yeah. the last time I remember us making a fair few signings was when we brought in Song, uh, Yelovich, uh, Antonio, and can't remember who else. I forgot Yelovich um, played. Yeah, for yeah, a few times. Um, I actually sc- saw him score against Wolves in the FA Cup. We won one nil. It was fantastic. Um, I think we just need to knuckle down because we we. We've not found the form that we had ended well, not even so much at the end of last season, but I don't think the players are an issue or or the quality of players are an issue rather. I think how they're playing is certainly an issue. I do see us staying up only only for the pure fact that there's such a tight group of teams at the bottom of the table. You know, the points difference is is minimal. Um the thing that does worry me is Everton ever so slightly. You know, they're a club who splash out on sometimes the wrong players, but they'll they'll splash a lot of money out. Have you seen who they've been rejected by today? Uh, they've been rejected by Andre Ayew, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> That's just about they, as bad from that. They've been rejected by Batshuayi. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, I might have to change what I say then, because my first thought was you look at what Deitch has done at Burnley for so many years with no money whatsoever. And apart from obviously gracing the Premier League with well, Weghorst, um, but I think give him that massive pot of money that they seem to be shelling out everywhere in the chunk that they've just got for Anthony Gordon. And that they they can't give I him know, away. It's just the, bizarre. But you know that that would be the only thing that worried me if they did a load of business. But obviously, getting closer now, almost still still not that much closer. I know. Andre Ayew is in advance talks to sign for Everton. Oh, I saw Ayew and I assumed it was Jordan. Jesus Christ. No, I saw him getting linked earlier with uh, like Everton, Southampton and a couple of others. And I was like, Forest, of course. And I was like, these clubs fighting relegation, they have not, <laughs> that is not the guy that's changing your fortunes. Well, he scored a few goals for us. <laughs> and then we shipped him off. Suleimana rejected uh, Everton and... Uh, Leipzig to join Southampton, so I'm still never getting over Bielsa's response. Yep, Bielsa. Well, I think that just about wraps us up here. Did you say you think they're avoiding the drop or not? Did I get? Did we get that out of them over here? Over over West Ham? Oh, blind me! Ouch! That's a pessimist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. There we go. I think that just about does us here in answer to what. I said about Longstaff earlier, he's now on a hat-trick, by the way, so um, he's answered my critique. source could never. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you for joining us, as always, Connor. Cheers. See you on the next one. There we go, then. Another deadline day wrapped up. We've spoken to fans of Everton, Tottenham, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Newcastle, West Ham. It's a real shame we don't know any City fans, or maybe not, actually. Um, but covered plenty of ground. I mean, some of the deals that we haven't even uh, got into, that like, Kayla Navas looks like that is happening to Nottingham Forest. <laughs> That's wild. Just because Dean Henderson's out for a few weeks, so they need cover, apparently. Um, Randolph obviously brought in his cover, but they don't trust him that much. United have brought in Sabit, so we should be hearing from uh, Connor as part of the episode. Pedro Porro did get over the line. Nice. 
and I mean, around the rest of the league, Forest have got like two deals done today, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Zabani, who's joining Bournemouth, by the way, is one to watch. I don't know anything about him other than football manager, but if he's anything near as good as he uh, is on there, then that's something. Sabitz is the interesting one for me. I think that's that's worth a roll of the dice, I think. I think from their point of view, yeah. I think it's not bad business at all. Particularly with Eric. Yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of what they offer, um, statistically, it's quite similar, but he actually has legs. Mm. I saw a United fan saying, Owen oh, Hargreaves vibes, and I don't know if that's just because he has long hair. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like about it. You hope he hasn't got his injury record for <laughs> Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a nice pickup on their part, to be honest. And we still don't know what's happening with Enzo. It's half eight currently. Um, the last report I saw was from Matt Law saying that both both sides are getting closer. I don't know what they're doing in this meeting. <laughs> yeah. like, they just sit there and every so often they turn to each other and go, have you budged yet? Nope. They, they've said, look, we, we, just we need back. proper deadline day behaviour, lads. We've got to, no one else is running it close, so we've got to do it. They're taking it upon themselves. He also suggested that Chelsea may pay for him now and get him in the summer, which feels just completely redundant. <laughs> but that does also mean that you value him over Rice, Caicedo, all of these options. The Rice one, and I'm sure this will be something we'll be covering on next deadline day, probably with me complaining. I don't know how much it plays into it, even if Chelsea are the team uh, he support, in that he's well aware they could have signed him like three, four times and they've chosen mm. not to. And I wonder if that plays into it as if he's had a chat with Arsenal, they've said, look, we want to sign you. And then the first window, they're chucking deals mm. in. Do you wonder how much those kind of things play into it or if it's just uh, we maybe read into it more than they I do? I think it's certainly um, then incumbent upon the club, like Arsenal in this case, to sort of make it clear that, that you're our guy, we've got above and beyond for you, you're just another guy to them. And, and how successfully you're able to do that. Historically, Liverpool was horrible for doing it when we used to be terrible at business. That basically we were just terrible at selling the club, supposedly. Yeah. And the whole thing, I, I've kind of made light of it earlier in that when you're dealing with clubs like I, I still feel maybe naively that if Chelsea go in for a deal and if if clubs offer the same money, which is very rarely the case with them, but say Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea going for the same player. Maybe I'm naive to put Arsenal in the conversation with Liverpool and United that Chelsea are going to be the last pick there because they just don't have that it that the rest of them have. I don't know how players see it. Um, I think it's a case-by-case basis, isn't it? Um, I think Chelsea probably put themselves in that conversation now, to be honest. Certainly with Arsenal, just because both London clubs, I think they can kind of sort of get on your territory a little bit more in that regard. Because City still haven't done it like for City I always think that if they lose the league or something then they need to at least show that they were close because the second they lose the winning factor yes yeah exactly did you read much into that Pep comment during the press conference last Friday where he effectively said while saying how much Arteta loves Arsenal it's the same for me if Barcelona came calling I'd jump as well and like no journalists (laughs) seem to bat an eyelid (laughs) Um, I know what you mean, but I think because he's been very emphatic that he isn't going back to Barca previously, um, I think 
there's enough in that to go over that I'm not thinking about. I think he was making the point that people have a link with one club traditionally. His version of that is Barcelona. And he was saying that's Arteta with Arsenal. I would question if it's quite that much of a link, but maybe Arteta, maybe he is now. Well, I watched the clip back that he's referring to, and he's very right. Arteta genuinely doesn't move in his seat. (laughs) He does say completely flat still. There's all the Arteta stuff for him crying when he left the pitch. I do remember it being a bit of a thing at the time, but as you'll probably remember, and I mean, my tweets are still there, it wasn't just the Arteta out phase. The Arteta out phase started when I saw him partnering Flamini for half a season as they were both about 36. Yeah, I mean, he was horrible towards the end of you, wasn't he? Oh. Yeah. Um, so I maybe didn't have the sympathy while he was crying in his interview. <laughs> no. But there we go. Other deals, I mean, Wolves have invested, Bournemouth have invested, Forest have invested, everyone. This is the busiest January that I can ever remember, even just from an expectancy point. like As soon as the window started, you usually wouldn't see a deal like even just Arsenal going for Mudrick in this month. And then it just seemed that just Chelsea and Arsenal in going for that just kind of kicked everyone into action. A lot of scrambling, isn't there? Liverpool... What was it, 27th of January? You put the money down for Gakpo? 27th of January? Um, December, December, yeah, sorry. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So it was basically uh, done for when the window opened, wasn't it? So Everyone was just during the World Cup. And that was the thing for me with Edu and I'm somewhat joking with Jorginho. I think I have a tendency, Connor, Connor too, that if you don't look at the positives of this deal now, then... Well, look, none of us. It's want, fun to look back on us. two deadlines where one, you've had a meltdown because you haven't signed Douglas Louise, and the second one, you've had to convince yourself that Jorginho is a good signing. That's fun to look back on. Yeah, I think none of us like the idea as much as it may be true in some cases to think that our club is so inept <laughs> that they've literally just picked up the first kind of option that they can. Mm. With Arteta, it is true that going back to when he was at Man City, he was very public. He wanted Jorginho before they got Rodri. Mm, yeah. And he was speaking about him there. And when he signed for us, Ars- when he joined Arsenal, he was talking about uh, how defensive midfielders in his vision aren't really a thing. And it's someone like a Rodri who's more than that or a Jorginho. And the whole thing was party in uh, Husamoa in that mm. summer. And the Athletic came out and said it was actually... Jorginho and party that he wanted. So there's a long running mm. thing there, but this wasn't a 31 year old Jorginho. Yeah, well, his legs are gone now. It's a damn shame before those went. The, the, the quote did come back with uh, Edu in the summer saying about essentially excusing why he has to pay players off that when you've got a player, I think he may have said over 26, which felt rash at the time. <laughs> so basically doesn't want to leave then sometimes they can be a cancer to the club and they're offering no good. They've achieved what they want to achieve. They don't have the hunger anymore. It's going to be a bad look for everyone involved, but the way it's been framed right from the jump is, you know, Arteta really wanted this player. And I said, well, he didn't want this player over Caicedo and he didn't want this player over Mudrick. So let's not do this immediately because every time we've missed out on a first target, the Athletic and whoever else have immediately framed it as, but Arteta's 
he's really happy about this. <laughs> yeah. And you can't constantly be happy about not getting your first choice no, targets. No. The Caicedo one's just irritating because I know there's so much more that goes into it. But when you see a, a bid rejected and then three days later and a new bid goes in and it's been increased by five million, if they didn't even pick up the phone to your first bid, what the hell do you think? If you're five million out, they're going to say, look, if you increase this by five million, we're going to accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They aren't sat there saying, you know, if you if they increase that by five million, then <laughs> see you later. <laughs> And then I'm, at this time of year, I I quite like that not every story is accurate. I wouldn't like it so much if every piece of Arsenal news I got on my feed was entirely correct. Well, I just, I quite just like, remember that next uh, time you're calling out these journos with their false stories then, all right? Well, I, I like it if I can pinpoint which <laughs> ones are true or not. Because the one... That one at seven o'clock this morning that said, "Look, Arsenal bid overnight. The deal's been agreed." And I thought, okay. Someone pointed to this guy had an exclusive previously. Jax Talbot, I think his name was. Um, he had an exclusive, and it may have been the Pedro Porro deal or something. And then once ten minutes have passed, usually if someone's got an exclusive, it follows pretty swiftly after mm. that. Everyone else says, "Look, fair play for the scoop." I can now confirm this is correct. When it got to half an hour later, I thought, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure you had the exclusive yet. <laughs> and then he did what all hack transfer journalists have to do. He doubled down. You got it. He said, look, from what I'm hearing, he traveled to London and he's ready. The final details of this being done out and he's there ready. And he produced a photo of what looked like Caicedo in London. And it was like, I know this is nonsense here. (laughs) But you sound so confident. If anything, what this day does show us is just that if clubs want to get a deal done, they'll get a deal done. Which really just makes a mockery of the rest of the window. Yeah, it's just, what do they do for the rest of it? It's incredible. Just do a transfer day. Everyone has a team. And you've just got to sign all your players in one day. That would be incredible. I think we should have to have cameras on you at all times as well so we can just watch you, what you're doing. Because then, when you've got a player choosing between two clubs, imagine the player chooses a club. They don't know there's two irons in the fire for this other team. (laughs) They get their one. You're now left. You're left in the lurch. (laughs) You've got to go with... (laughs) It'd be unreal. (laughs) I don't trust Edu with that, to be fair. Remember he missed out on like three deals in the summer and then he posted a picture like, look, we may not always get it right, but this is the team behind it. Like, we don't want to yeah, see this yeah, team. Yeah, we don't want it. We don't need to see that. He posted He posted an entire boardroom full of people for us activating a release clause. Yeah, really. You know, if Rice has one of them, then we can- Really get the sense that Eddie's just going, having to go, look, we are doing work, I promise. I promise you we're going to work every day. Well, we saw it. We said it when we did the documentary, didn't he? Where he was like, sometimes I have to take calls late at night here. Yeah, just talking about how, uh, oh, don't mind January. I've got to do a lot. So, yeah, yeah, you do. It's supposed to be your job. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I don't know if you saw, you were linked with some miles earlier today. <laughs> and he, he's like the flavor of the month. Yeah, it's really weird. I saw a thing saying that he came on and turned the game around for them a few games ago and he's had a very small run of form. Um, it would have been about right that we pick him up on that, wouldn't it? But, yeah. I think a player like him is 
for all of their deficiencies, um, and he has a lot of them. It never feels like he's. It never feels like he's trying to do the wrong thing. It always feels like it's well in the right like, place. The way he would, the way he would talk about Arteta and all these, like you're trying to follow these instructions. I, I think, to be honest, you I'm, just don't have the capacity to. Yeah, do so. he, he's just not a player to be at a top club. But I think the rung below, I think he he'd be a sound player for someone. Um, it's just that he United were linked with Awar as well. Oh, that would spook you. It did. Yeah, I just think for a, you know he's not an Arsenal or Madrid player, but also, but if he goes somewhere just like that sort of level below. Seem boring after someone like Seville. Some might say that Seville are in a relegation fight this year, but no more. Well, he impressed us uh, when he was at Betis before mm. we signed him because that's, uh, yeah, I believe he was there as a kid and that's the way he met Bellerin. But there we go. I guess United, I don't know what their expectations were. Maybe a midfielder and a striker, they'll be somewhat satisfied. Chelsea, I genuinely don't know how they'll be feeling. <laughs> As as Jack's down here, I don't think they know how to at this point. No, uh, Everton have probably got to be the worst. You, they probably assumed when they got this money through the door, they were going to have all these options. They were trying for Shea Adams this morning and he said, no, thank you. Good God. As we said with Cam, at the point where they're hounding their own players, it's, why the hell would I go there? Yeah, it's a good point. Because players... High-caliber players have joined Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, Southampton Wolves this window. Mm, yeah. None of them have gone anywhere near Everton. No, that's true. So, there we go. I guess even though you you don't get involved in the, the day-to-day of the transfer window, even deadline day, you must be hoping a little something. I actually love deadline day itself. I just don't really hold out much hope that we will do anything on it. Is the, is the only thing we're, we're kind of, yeah. maybe this is going to be our, the full evolution of us. Cause I was going to say we're too like organized. We don't really do that, but you know what? Maybe we're sort of descending a little bit. Maybe we'll get into the mud from now on and uh, start doing some business. I remember phoning in sick. Um, probably would have been school. It would have been school <laughs> at the time. Um, the year we got Ertzil and that was when it all just kind of, and that was right when Twitter was coming out. Twitter on a BlackBerry. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the night, but the night before, I had one of those ITKs that must have just had a friend in the right place at the right time because it never happened again. And that's how so many accounts are made. Um, and he tweeted something along the lines of, "Just heard the news. Arsenal are going to do it. Hashtag madness tomorrow." <laughs> And then I probably was feeling a bit off. Sorry, it was deadline day. Arsenal had been linked around the time. Wenger had that smile in the press conference the day before. And then the still one unfolds through the day. We had the one, of course, that me, you, Sean, a couple of others got together for, and it was like the deadest <laughs> deadline day ever. <laughs> but that had been... That was your dad of the scoop on Clint Dempsey. <laughs> still, don't, still can't work that one out. <laughs> he knew Clint Dempsey was at Spurs Lodge before Clint Dempsey knew he was there. Because that, when Sean mentioned that yesterday must have been the, the Giamatino year, where he was linked to a window and then didn't happen. Yeah. I'm sure they claimed he was on a plane at one point mm. there. Spurs had some rogue shouts around Spurs. that time. Yeah, when, when it's good. Somewhat diminished by the fact that we do now have access to every stage of a transfer. This is it. I, I essentially the 
I love deadline pre-social media where you'd either have to go onto like BBC Sport or Sky Sports News actually have some scoops where you could watch it and you'd actually there'd be ahead of something. Yeah. Um and then as you said, Twitter in its sort of infancy was uh was great for all this. I think just since then it's become sort of a sensory overload for me. It's kind of I feel like I know too much. Sky Sports are terrible because there's no excuse for them to not be faster. Like if I can see a group yeah, on Twitter yeah. and I can see someone confirm it, you shouldn't need to confirm it with six journalists because what credibility does, does Sky have currently? They're they're like with TalkSport. TalkSport will tweet a rumour out because they want to tweet a rumour yeah. out. Yeah. Sky Sports should jump on board. Sky Sports understands. No one cares if you're wrong and you're going to get far better coverage out of it. Instead, they lean to kind of the influencers and uh, Tony Fulis on there today, breaking down the Jorginho signing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good deal. He's going, I would have gone with Glenn Wheeler myself, but... Uh. Hey, Carragher said if we're nervy with 10 games to go, then Joe Linton, uh, Joe Linton, I see him in front of me, Jorginho is going to be the guy to calm everyone down. Okay. All right, Carragher. He, he's going to need a quick start because... Yeah. Yeah. My timeline, if you can hear the positivity in my voice... That's not reflected through many other people. Well, as I said to you, it was a good job. We were on the pod and you broke the Jorginho news to me because I just had a message from my stepbrother saying that he wanted to die. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> oh, Jorginho is fine. It's not an actual cry for help. Well, I, I read a blog earlier, and it's the last thing I'll say. Um, and it was about the possibility that this deal could happen today. And it said, like, from a fan's perspective, I completely understand it. It feels like a retrograde retrograde step. Having done similar deals in the past, we thought we'd learned our lesson. And that lesson was, don't buy old bastards from Chelsea. <laughs> um, we thought we'd changed. How many times do you need to be stung in the face before you, when you're trying to kiss a scorpion before you stop trying to kiss scorpions? And... Maybe this one's different. I think the fee and the duration I, of the I deal. I think it's slightly different. And the position you're in is a different situation. Do you know what I mean? You're not. Yeah. But I do think um, if we lose the league and I'm not as positive that we'll win it as some fans are, if we lose it, it needs to be by a, a wide margin because Edu if we lose by say three points, mm, yeah. the, immediately someone's going to say, well, imagine we have Mudrick and Kaiseido. Yeah. 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 For sure. Could so, be your, um, could be your Ryan Nelson, Louis Sahar window that Spurs had when they were flying. <laughs> or us not signing, uh, Suarez. And mm, yeah. Yeah. Letting him go out of the season of his life mm. at Liverpool. And, uh, I look, I'll never stop saying about the Eduardo injury regardless <laughs> of uh, what sense it comes into that because for Arsenal fans that some are a bit younger, which feels horrible to say, 2008 felt like the most our year that any year has ever felt um, as we did on the podcast. So there we go. Thank you for listening to a very, very long edition of Spitballing Pod unfortunately no movie madness this week um a couple of things fell out of place could probably say now zodiac will be doing done not sure natural born killers will be so <laughs> we'll see how we go there fuck me um we'll be back next week with movie madness very close to the end of round one and just seeing some of the films we've got for round two 
looking fantastic. So see you there. Adios.